back, folks, and we back with a bang. It's the State of Combat podcast with Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And we're back with the box, folks. All box sale, all the time. Stacked, backed, jacked with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. And you know I'm going to tag in my Broham Big Red in a mere amount of seconds, a mere Mansoor, a mere amount of seconds, a mere con, one full seven. I'm going to be back with this guy, Bugs, in a second here. But you know we have a loaded show coming at you. Wow, wow, it is Spence Garcia pay-per-view fight week. Time to cash those checks. Time to get fired up. Make that money, player. Yeah! Right? Right, right, the guy's back, too. Look, I couldn't hold this man back anymore. He might have to make a few appearances on this show. The great Richard Dwyer. All the mayhem you can expect from this show back in your life. Firing you up for Spence Garcia on Fox Pay-Per-View. Interviews with the great two-time to division champion Paul Malinaji to talk about his new bare knuckle career rolling out here. Wow, wow, big news there. We're also going to chat with Irish featherweight rising star in the top rank stable, Michael McConlin, who of course headlines the St. Patrick's Day card. Wow, on ESPN Plus from the Garden, three years in a row for that feller. Going to find out what's going on in the life of Mick. You better believe that. All the do you care weekend preview, all the news, all the crap in between. I believe the sun is setting on this show's future. No, this show is back with a bang left, right, good night. Hey, if you do like this show, though, I know you don't like when I go too long on that. You know what to do. If you see something, say something. <coughs> wow. Hey, head on over to Apple Podcasts, or we're now on Spotify. If that's a service you have, get on there. Hit us up with that five-star review i don't know tell us what you like about the show tell us how good we are doing at moving this movement that you care about fans load watch 2019 that has taken over the nba we got chris mannix tweeting about it this week wow get out there leave your reviews get fired up are you ready for the show folks are you ready i was born ready. yes born ready born ready big red speaking of red man not wu-tang i'm talking about my co-host He's the great New Yorker himself and also a New York Times bestseller. You may have seen him on some Filipino soap operas that you can still find on YouTube. Bakagong, yeah, in the house. Here he is, the one and only, the great, the protector of all things cruiserweights, Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Oh, baby, Ray Bugs, West Coast. It's like, if it's 3 a.m., you must be lonely. It's dark where you're at. How you doing, bro? Hey, Monday morning, get fired up. I am, I was fired up, Brian, until I heard you try and sort of say that Redman was in the Wu-Tang Clan. No, no, yeah. Redman is from New Jersey. He's from Newark. He's not from Staten Island. Uh, I just yeah, got out of there. Movies I'm... with Method Man, yes, How High Happened. Wow. Yes, they had the whole Blackout album, uh, and... and I, I mean, who, who, who can hate on red, red and meth together, but he was never. Wow. Did I really just do that? And the thing is, I obviously know that I, I'm old. I come from that era. Wow. I, in real there time. Is a dark side. You are, you're, you're Mr. Reggie Noble over here. Wow. In real time, I just dropped that, which made me sound so lame. Um, I was a big third base fan though. So maybe that tells you something. All right. Uh, you, you do. I mean, look, 
when I learned that Prime Minister Pete Nice of third base was a elite high school basketball player who played on a New York State uh sort of this new in these New York State Empire State Olympic Games with Dwayne Pearl Washington on the same team. Wow. He was on the same select. That's crazy. That is pretty that is pretty crazy. Uh you know what's also pretty crazy is last week I vowed that we would hold back on Dwyer because it was a it was a drug that I had and it was a drug that was taking over my life. But Rafe, the hardcore spoke up. The hardcores these are not regular fans. The hardcores like banded together. You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. I mean, and they said we need more Dwyer on this damn show. They even went as far as what's this HBO documentary that why that Dwyer's showing up on on his crime blog? What is happening here? That was such a moment for the Dwyer hive. Richard Dwyer showing up used in a clip on this documentary about Adnan Shed, the guy who was in prison for the first season of Serial, the podcast. I remember listening to it way back then. Don't remember all of the details now. Don't have HBO, so I can't really tell you what the documentary is like. But I have seen the clips on Twitter, and they have Dwyer there. He's he's the voice of the internet crime fan, the same way he is the voice of the internet boxing fan. And, Brian, I don't want to toot our own horn too much. I'm not being paid $7 million a year to sit here and give notes on HBO documentaries. I'm not a producer like that. Wow. But, but Brian. Subtweet. What? I don't know what you're talking about. But, Brian, what I do know is that it takes a little bit of time to to produce a documentary, a little bit of time. you got to finish that a couple weeks ahead of time, I think. But I think they found Dwyer through us. They found him through us. Wow. First they found the loads. Then they found the mess. Then they found Dwyer. I think it, first you get the power. Then you get the what? 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 Is that another Wu Tang re- refugee? Then no, you get not. the loads. Who? No, no, who no, was no, that? No. That was um Scarface. Scarface. Yes. Wow. Wow. Get, woke me up. Woke me up, please, Rafe. You're in the wrong part of the ring, Holmes. You're too close to the ropes. Exactly. Well, speaking of the ropes, shout out to us, right? Back in the day, Grantland. Yes. Hey. Right. Now that was, now that was some production worthy of seven mil a year, bro. Yes. Yes. All right. We got a lot to talk about. I do want to woke you all up to the fact that I did get back. Look, I'm, I'm putting the needle in just, just, just the tip of the needle, just for a second, just to see how it feels. I got me a little Dwyer this morning. Hearing his thoughts on Garcia Spence this week. I'm not going to, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm not going to play you the sound drops. But Dwyer does say this, the great Richard Dwyer. He says the odds makers got it wrong. It should be Mikey Garcia who's the favorite heading into this weekend's Walter Waite showdown inside Jerry World. Wow, Rafe. Wow. Wow. Mikey is a historic fighter, according to Dwyer. And I don't think he's wrong. I mean, Mikey could lose this fight and still be a historic fighter. Because Errol Spence might be a bigger and also historic fighter. That's the question. That's what we're going to watch on Saturday for. Well, he has looked at more men than I have. I've looked at a lot of guys. I mean, how many, if you had a guess, how many would you say he's looked at? Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. All right. All right. The great Richard Dwyer shout out. Hey, hey, um, uh, check out his, uh, peep his hit. What's the, what's that Dwyer catchphrase he always says? 
Dwyer VIP dot com. No, I certainly. Well, that's a, that. That's a free site. It's. I was going to say, uh, revisit his collaboration, Rafe. Okay, we're not here to clown, Mister Dwyer. We're here to celebrate. Hey, go check out his work on YouTube. San Francisco's own Richard Dwyer is fantastic. It's in my favorites folder. <laughs> I think that's magic. Yes. All right, Richard Dwyer. Enough of that. It's time to get into the show, Rafe. I mentioned we got Pauly. We got Mick Conlon. We got Rafe Boogs looking back at the weekend that was in the state of Boston. Oh, and what a weekend, Brian. What a weekend it was. Wow. Hey, you shouted me out to a sound I should have on my soundboard of Sean Porter from a service I was a part of. It was the BBC face-to-face Porter Ugas. That was the headlining fight this weekend. How did I miss this Sean gem? It ain't, and it won't, and you not, and you ain't. Hey, Sean, your Dennis Ugas almost was. He almost was, Broham. He was, and he did, and he's something, and he was. <laughs> and he but almost he is. In the end, Sean Porter defends his WBC Walter Walterweight Championship at the uh the House of Box, at the uh the the Den of Savagery, at the Cathedral of War. At... I don't know, Brian. Brian, the the Dignity Sports Health Cone of Shame or whatever it's called. <laughs> that thing it's that reputation is getting sullied by this recent slate. I mean, PBC is sending all the slop there, man. Oh. Get, keep that stuff in Barclays. You know, this is this is our special place out here on the West Coast. I, I, I hear you on that one. In the end, Sean hangs on against tough Cuban or Dennis Ugas split decision victory. Them cards, 117-111 in favor of Ugas. But correct? Correct? Yes. And then it was what, a 16-12 and a 15-13 for Sean Porter. Uh, up front, I scored at 115-113 for your Dennis Ugas. People were ripping this fight afterwards. Here's what I'll say about it. I thought it was an entertaining fight. I thought tactically it was very entertaining because Porter looked good early. Ugas got him out of his game. Ugas was landing the harder, cleaner, more telling blows and made Porter confused, made him have to fight a different fight. If we're just going to go the story of the fight, Max Kellerman, Ugas won that. He also won it on my card. But what becomes a rough stereotype against Cuban fighters, Rafe, tell me if I'm wrong here. Ugas left the back door open. He did not do enough down the stretch to leave no doubt. This was Lara against Canelo in a way. Ugas had the better craft in this fight. But in the end, if judges are going to prefer Sean coming forward and being busier in the later rounds, I can't hate on that. I know Ray Boom Boom Mancini's getting all up and then Fox DM saying this was a robbery. This was this. This was that. It Look, it, it's not a robbery. It was another very skilled Cuban fighter looking really good for six or seven rounds, but leaving that back door open, Rafe, your thoughts. Yes, I think I, I basically saw the fight the same way as you. I was not scoring at home, but I seemed like I, I favored I favored the Cuban in this one. And it, yeah, he, he, Ugas just looked like he did better work, but in in the way that we've come to expect from these these Cuban fighters who 
it's I don't know if it comes from this this feeling of superiority that they have in their own technique, in their own style, and that they will never make a concession to the way other people see the sport, the way even judges see the sport. And that they're 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 looking at it like I'm doing this the right way, I'm winning this fight with my style, and you can't really prove me wrong. I mean, these guys are never totally wrong when they say that. They also don't get wins that they probably could get if they just stepped on it a little bit. If they put in something to to wrap a bow around it. If they closed rounds, if they did any of those little tricks that fighters do to edge fights. If these guys, these aren't guys who are active enough to knock out their high level opponents. We've seen that with Lara. We've seen that with Ugas. But so when they're out boxing guys, you want, you, you need to make some kind of statement on top of just looking like the sharper guy in the ring. It's too bad because we've seen these guys, they're, they're really talented and, and they fall short so often. I'm with you on that. It was an effective robbery. It's still a robbery! It's a robbery! No, Teddy, it's not a robbery. Uh, Porter did push the pace. Yes, there was, here's the thing, there were so many close rounds. That's the thing in the end. And I do, shout out to our guy. I do like his work on Fox as the unofficial, uh, scorer. Our man, Marcos Vegas from Fight Hub Fight TV. Hub, baby! Because I don't love Chris Myers in that play-by-play role. And Myers sort of like challenged Marcos a few times on air, and I thought Marcos handled it well. I really agreed with Marcos had the same score as I did, so obviously I'm going to agree with him. But I agree with with the way he broke it down. It was like, you know, there were a lot of close rounds that it's what you prefer. Porter's activity against Ugas's cleaner counter shots. In the end, I think it was a step back for Porter. It was a survive in advance because we all know the big uh business available to him in the second half of 2019, which is possibly fights against name them right, name them Spence Garcia. Uh, Pacquiao, Thurman, Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford. Well, there was, so there was some talk afterwards, and let's not forget what happened a couple months ago, right? Didn't we hear uh, Top Rank came out and reported that they offered three million to PBC and Al Heyman to for Porter to face Crawford? Maybe that's more likely than we realize. Either way, SP Sean Porter, the Showtime guy, kept his uh, kept himself in play. For a big fight this year, whether you enjoyed his performance or not. I didn't love all of the comments by Sean afterwards when he said, we could have attacked this guy more, but my dad thought I was doing great outboxing him. Well, you just barely, by the skin of your teeth, pulled this off. So I would have liked a much more demonstrative performance. I would have liked Sean stepping on the gas more. But I think what Sean really realized is when he stepped on the gas, Ugas was catching him coming in with the cleaner shots. He had the better craft on this night raid. So Porter gambled that the judges would reward him, got the benefit of the doubt. Yes, the money fighters, the PBC fighters tend to get that. So does Canelo, by the way. This is box. It's a broken system. But I just didn't love the overall statement Sean Porter made in this. He survived and advanced. Yeah, Brian, I, I, what do you think is going on with Sean Porter? Because we've seen him now in the last couple of fights. I think you're right. He, in against Ugas, it didn't seem like when he tried to the when Porter tried to come forward a few times and and do his the old Sean Porter act, the the sort of more mauling style, the chest to chest fighting. Uh, Ugas dealt with that a lot better than I think a lot I, a lot of us expected him to. But 
But it also, do you think that Sean Porter is sort of going through some kind of boxing identity crisis in there? Do you think that him and his father have started to listen to the critics who who just don't like the style, who who don't like how ugly Sean Porter and fights used to be, how rough they were? Adrian Broner clowning him over the years about being a football player and not a boxer. That whole aggressive, athletic wrestling hump with fists. <laughs> <laughs> if that can be a style, that versus Jeff Horn style, we gotta have it. We gotta see that someday. Um, does that, do you think they started listening to that and said, you know what? We want to show we can also box from the outside or is it just these last two matchups? I, I don't know if over, overall, I don't think it's the best thing for Porter to do. No, I, I think part of it is the idea of let's mix in more craft because we can sustain our career for longer rather than just being this bulldog who gets cut. That's I mean, true. He's got some serious scar tissue above his right eye from some of these cuts that he's been getting. Against a Danny Garcia, you can do that. Danny Garcia doesn't have elite, uh, lateral quickness. You can expose him, and they did. They fought a brilliant fight. But I really think after, the, let's say, round three, first three rounds, I thought Sean was doing a great job mixing in the old pressure style, like when he broke Berto's backbone, with sort of this stop-start rhythm method boxing pressure style but Ugas was long and he was smart and he was technical and he took that away from him so there's always inevitably going to be an identity crisis for Sean Porter Rafe when you consider he's a tweener in the end he's a Shane Mosley what do I mean by that he's a good but he's a he's a really good boxer but not great enough to outbox elites and he's a really good mauler but doesn't hit hard enough to out brawl elites so in certain matchups he can bring out either side to win against BB plus guys but against the very elite, Sean Porter's setting himself up to always be a bridesmaid and always lose. And that's just what it is. He's a tweener, Ray. Am I right or am I wrong here? So No, that makes sense. That makes sense. He's uh, going to explore either side. But in the end, he's always going to lose to Thurman. He's always going to lose to Spence. He's always going to lose to maybe even Pacquiao. Yeah, it's possible. I, I see what that that's probably. I mean, these those are fighters who are kind of better than him or look better than him. It, it, he, the good thing is he, the way he competes, he makes good fights out of all of them because he's, you have to beat Sean Porter. You can't, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to just lay an egg for you. Uh, in your ass. He will get in that thing. He, he will try. I, I wanted to ask, let me throw a little, what does it look like at you? I would, and maybe I, I'm just hipstering myself out here. But I was, I started to think, you know, listening to Sean Porter mention Terrence Crawford's name and say, look, he's, he's obviously on the other side of the street politically, but he's, he's being overlooked by a lot of my fellow PBC welterweights who, who don't even say, pretend Crawford exists, blah, 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 blah. Got me thinking, what does it look like if, if we get that cross the street fight if they cross the streams a little bit not the main one everyone wants to see which would be Crawford Spence or Crawford Garcia but if they do Crawford Porter I kind of think Sean Porter can give Crawford an interesting problem to solve like if he just goes the full-on mall act if he just if he because because Porter didn't he fight early in his career at 154 yeah, I believe he was like a middleweight as an amateur too. I mean, he was—he's always go in there and just do the football thing to Terrence Crawford and see if that long, wiry guy, you know, see how he figures that out. It's probably the perfect fight in every category, business-wise, um, criticism-wise, to accomplish certain things. Look, uh, 
until Crawford eventually faces the best of the PBC Walter Whites, which we think is Spence, and it's probably going to have to be some kind of Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather build and take more years to get there. Until then, there's always going to be part of you that says, I can't anoint TC Bud as my P4P king because we haven't seen him against the best. So if Al was willing to let Porter go, knowing this is Porter's ceiling, here's what I mean by that. Politically, he may, uh, he's a B-side against these other elites like Thurman and Spence, but he may never get to the Super Bowl at PBC. He may never get to the, the biggest and best, the, the end of the bracket. He may never get to the end game because he's not as elite as these other guys. So let him go over there, let him cash in, and let him allow for Bud a chance to really prove himself against an elite, against a guy who's a little bit more crude because look, Porter cannot box. Bud. We know that. And he's going to know that. So you're right. He's got to do the crazy man mentality. Come in there with the elbows. Come in there with the head. And it will allow us to really see Bud against a quasi elite guy. It'll give Bud more, you know, standing and more of a backbone on his resume for us to be allowed to call him the pound for pound king if we so believe. It gives Porter a cash out at his highest level he can get to because look, I know you're going to say, well, well, BC, didn't Porter push Thurman? Did he lose 15-13? Yes. But he exposed the hole in Keith Thurman that we talked about a few weeks ago. That he which made, hole was that? Which, which, that's disgusting. Which, wow, wow. Danny has a stick. Yeah, this is Danny's night. No, it's not. Get that stick out of here. Um, my point on that is Thurman will allow that. If he believes he's got you on the cards, he's not that guy that we thought he was. He's not that one time that's going to go out there and finish you. He'll allow that. So he allowed Porter to basically reach his ceiling. And I don't think Porter's going to beat any of these elites on the PBC side. I don't even know if he can get a fight against them. He seems to be the odd man out. Because if Thurman fights Pacquiao and Spence beats Garcia and then fights Danny Garcia, Porter will be the odd man out this year. So it's probably smart that he speaks up and keeps pushing that narrative of, hey, didn't Top Rank already make me an offer? Let's do this on ESPN pay-per-view. All right? But... In the end, it's tough. He's a tweener. That's why Shane, I mean, Shane Mosley is a great Hall of Famer, but he was also a tweener, Rafe. Certain guys he could beat, but he was never going to beat those super, super elites. At least he beat Oscar. Twice. Although he got yeah. that second time. Yeah. Chew on that, BC. Mm, How dare good. you? How dare you? Um, Porter, by the way, almost ruined this whole night when he uh, missed weight the first time and had two hours to cut like two pounds. Came in under the 47 limit to make it, but had to not only strip down to his nards, Rafe, they had to cut his hair for him to make it, and then the towel slipped, and we got a little uh, Showtime dong action, and this all coincided with the comeback of the Ultimate Sack headline. Coincidence or not, Rafe? He- I mean, headband, sorry. on the conspiracy. I know what you're, I smell what you're cooking over there, BC, and it smells like an ultimate sack sandwich. Wow. The former sponsor is back. The ultimate sack headband is back. Wait, James Bag Jr., I gotta call you out. You're too deep into UFC these days on your timeline. You gotta get back into the sack, man. Which, Brian, which, which one did John Porter recommend to us on the interview uh, he did like on the, the show? Hairy, it was uh, like, you gotta get the fluffy purple sack. Yeah, yeah, well he had it in that situation, Rafe. Wow, gross, gross. I'm pro boner. Aren't we all, Keith? Aren't we all? Did you see that the, the, the infighting on the Fox desk between Keith Thurman and Ray Boom Boom Mancini? Did you see that at all? Uh, no, I, I did see the interview between Keith Thurman and Sean Porter when they had the split screen. They're both smiling and it was, it was a true tug of war of love between oh, two champions oh, who shared wow. the ring together. Wow. It was like a tug and war of kindness. Every time I was kind, she would be more kind. Then I'd be more kind. Then she would be more kind. It... Eventually, if you keep 
tugging and being kind? Yeah, I'd like to see him get 30, 35 minutes. I mean, he's in his early 20s. He's showing, he, we're just getting a taste of him. I'm like, you know, I'm tired of getting a taste of him. I want the whole load. You will. If you keep doing that, you will. He pumps it. Yes, he did pumps it more than once. Thank you, Dwyer. Um, what I'm saying is, uh, Boom Boom did like a poor man's Teddy Atlas. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, he came out that this is a robbery. Then he called out Sean to his face. And then he was basically like, and by the way, that 12th round knockdown should have been a knockdown. And then Thurman's like, Ray, look at the video. He slipped. And then there was sort of a back and forth that ended with Keith going, come on, Ray, come on. I thought that was all a little bit interesting. Did you think that 12th round should have been a knockdown, even though Porter fell when their feet never collided, yet he did seem to block that punch by Ugas? Conspiracy theorists are telling you Ugas should have won the fight on that punch. That's a, that is a big swing, right? I mean, to lose that point is a big deal to Ugas. Um, I, I think, I mean, it's a lot of referees probably would call that a knockdown and they would have an argument to say so, right? Because, uh, like obviously Ugas threw a punch. It didn't land cleanly. It landed near the back of Porter's head and was partially blocked. Uh, and then while moving backwards, Porter's back foot slipped, you know, basically he just lost his footing. His back foot slipped out and he went down to a knee. Now, Ugas touched him, right? That, 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 whatever force that punch arrived with probably had some effect on Porter's balance. So you could say, yeah, uh, there was contact. And then as a result, or partially as a result, Porter went down. However, I don't know that I really want to knock Jack Reese for not, for, for not calling it a knockdown because he wasn't hurt. It wasn't, a, it wasn't, the punch didn't land cleanly. It, the punch probably, while well, you can't rule it out, being uh, a cause of the knockdown did not appear to be the primary cause of of, of Porter taking a knee. Or, I think you would have had more controversy know, than you have now if that would have been a knockdown. Yeah, it would have been trouble. Um, so in the end, and I don't mean to be harsh on Sean Porter, by the way, in, in this whole, well, he's a quasi-elite, but he's not a real elite. It's the hard, too harsh. It's, that's no, too it's harsh. too harsh. It is the that's hard truth, harsh. but obviously Sean Porter is a, a, a great guy, one of the better people in this community, and, and I would I would let him do many things. Folks. That's the kind of guy you want marrying your daughter. Wow, wow, Dwyer, you know, wow. That was Dwyer, right? Hi, it's Dwyer. Yes, week of the fight. All right, uh, my point is, though, as I said, I think Ugas ultimately exposed that Porter's a quasi-elite, but not a real elite, and he sort of needed to backdoor and coast to that split decision win. So, Rafe, what about Ugas? Certainly a tough out, not a division killer. What about but a, it, man? But a tough out. What would he be able to do then against the real elites, against the Thurmans, the Spences? How would they make it so he couldn't push him to a split decision? I mean, do you, would you like, do you think he can get back to this level or is he sort of going to be a, an Arislandi Lara where it's like, yeah, you can beat these B guys and these C guys, but what are you going to do against the best if you're well, not going to throw? I would say that Ugas could still rise to the level of an Arislandi Lara. I mean, Lara held titles at 154 for a long time and, and, has fought at the truly highest level of the sport. I, I kind of think that Lara is the sharper, better version of that, uh, 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 or, or the sharper, better fighter between him and Ugas. Um, but Ugas, I don't think that he's lo- he's going to lose anything over the in terms of a step or or you know he's going to become worse in in whatever you know his next few fights i don't know if he's going to get another shot i guess it's good of course it's good to be at welterweight at P- in pbc because there are so many good 
fights to make there and, and chances to win titles. And he's got to be considered right there on the cusp of the next time there's a, the, the next time there's a, not, a, a somebody needs an opponent and it's not going to be a big fight. Ugas has got to be on the short list for that, right? He's, he is that, he's, he's one of the better guys. And I think that he looks pretty good in all those fights. He's as a, as a overall, he would belong in the ring with any of the elite guys might look, he'll slow every fight down, make it a little bit boring and then lose it is unfortunately how yeah. I see all of those things happening. He's a spoiler in the end, uh, but very, very good performance by him. And I, and again, I don't get the people that are saying this fight sucked. This fight was compelling. It was a chess match. It, it had moments. There was a, a couple moments where they exchanged too. I, I don't, I don't get boxing Twitter lately. I know it's a, it's a savage, very dark and down group because we deal with a sport that just beats on us. Right? I mean, that's the truth, right? We, we rarely get exactly what we want and deserve. But I feel lately like boxing Twitter is just like, if, if it's not, if it's not a full on action fight, it's like, oh, that fight sucked. What a waste of time. And it's not just like the curmudgeons and the, and the trolls. It's like journalists too. I thought it was an entertaining fight and it was on 9.30 PM on Fox on a Saturday night. I was down with it. Yeah. I didn't think it was as bad as some of the criticism of it. Um, I don't know. Any fight that doesn't have action, people are going to crap on. Any fight that, even when they know better, it's just an easy thing to say. I don't, I don't exactly know why it happens all the time. It's so predictable. Even, even, even this was not a Miguel Vasquez fight. Yes. And they were doing some interesting things tactically. It was not, it, there, there was tension throughout, but I, you know, who, who, and, how do you explain it? People are crazy. I, I, I give up trying to understand the world, man. It's all, it's all, it's all burning down. Everyone's shitting themselves. Right? And I'm just getting started. We're just getting started here, Rafe. Let's speed through some things. On that co-main event, uh, Effie Ajagba, I'm sorry, not the co-main event, the opener on Fox on Saturday night, that large heavyweight Effie Ajagba, KO2 Amir Mansour, when the veteran mid-40s ex-convict Mansoor could take no more. And you and I saw that coming because we did see that Philip Ergovich fight. Uh, the only weird thing here is Mansoor quit on his stool after, I think, two rounds or three rounds. But he had been dropped a bunch of times on stiff jabs. Did you see when Mansoor got lit up right before the fight stopped? And then he did that war cry and screamed? And then came with a two-punch combo and he had another stiff-ass jab to the face. That was entertaining. Look, in the end, this was a mismatch because of the height difference, because of the wash difference. But you got to give it up for a Jogba, Rafe. I'm not ready to throw him in there against uh Anthony Joshua, but what I'm telling you is you, the guy looks good. I mean, this guy looks good. This guy looks like he's a project, but a good-ass project. You Do you feel what I'm feeling about this guy? Oh, yeah, it moved, Brian. It moved. Um uh, yeah, I like him. Who the hell knows at this point? But yes, I like what I see. And I, he's got guys, he's got a great viral moment already with Curtis Harper last year. Just keep the train moving. Keep the man active and, and build him up. It's the heavyweight division. People like to see knockouts. It seems like he's going to deliver it at that level of fight. And then when it's time to step him up, let's see what happens. He seems to hit pretty hard too. I got hits like a train and every single punch is like a train. So get on board Choo Choo while this lasts. If you, could he be a long-term title opponent for, for somebody like a Wilder? That'd be a fun-ass fight if we can get that. Uh, of course he could. Why not? Why couldn't he be? That's, that, that's 
where he wants to take his career and where the people shepherding it think it could possibly go. It's, you know, heavyweights get exposed all of a sudden at, at certain, you know, we've got David Price, we've got guys who look good and then all of a sudden they fight someone who actually hits back and, and it's a totally different story. But for now, why not believe we've got a lot of these guys entering the division that, that, that are going to keep it uh, an exciting and fun division for a while. You got Ajagpa, Ergovich, uh, Nathan Gorman, Daniel Dubois, Usyk, Gassiev, if he comes up to heavy. I mean, they, 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 they all could end up in that mix. I'm agreed with you on that. Hey, here's boxing is a sad sport in many ways. There was a sad outcome on Saturday night. Did you see this? So Robert Guerrero is in the, you know, former of, of raw dog fame. Yes, you got the raw dog. He got the raw dog. Um, he fought, he continued his comeback on Saturday night against some guy you never heard of. But did you see how this played out, Rafe? You know how PBC a lot of times has the post main event fights when there's nobody left. And of course you and I experienced this in 2014 at the night of champions card in Temecula when the cameras stopped rolling. And we saw Boobs Brazil send a dude to hell, and then the house lights turned out while the guy was still on his back. Steve Kim, who of ESPN, who was covering the fight, did sort of a panoram- panoramic video after the Fox card went off the air. Robert Guerrero came out for his, which turned into be a knockout, and there was legitimately seven people in the crowd, Rafe. And this was already a bad night for the StubHub Center, Dignity Health Sports Park. Rafe, there were seven people in the crowd. So I got to say a couple things here. Yeah, it looked like the last night of HBO boxing in there. Oh! God, I mean, Rafe, it was... It's already... Like, it's inevitable that Guerrero would retire and come back. And that's fine. And it's fine that he's knocking out a guy who shouldn't be in the ring against him. But shouldn't this have been on the, like, two-hour PBC prelims that aired on FS1? Like shouldn't which they have too many they have too those it was like they have these ten sixteen fight cards you can't squeeze them all in Fox wants to air in prime time you can't do that early in the in the day I don't it doesn't it, it's it it makes for a bad look but he would be fighting in front of that many people in the daytime if the fight started yeah, a little it earlier be on it's not TV. like you should Guerrero should be on TV well at least it would be on TV wouldn't you think you you'd attract more viewers slipping through if oh Robert Guerrero is still fighting rather than two schlubs you never heard of I don't know maybe I mean, look in the grand scheme of boxing in indignities I this this does not even really phase me I mean uh, he, he got out of the ring without having a pizza thrown at him right wow wow and that in that arena that's a victory right there all right elsewhere this week in box into zone Verona New York man it must have been cold up there Dimitri Bivol defends his version of the 175 title with a fairly easy 12 round decision over the plasterer of the local council former Bernard Hopkins I'll send your ass to hell through the ropes Joe Smith Jr. Uh, B-Ball's got a lot of craft. Couldn't finish the show here. I'll give Joe Smith credit for having a, a tough chin. Uh, do you take away anything? Kovalev wants him next. What do you care? Do you care at all? Do you care? I, man, I, you know what? I do care. I was watching this fight and getting into it. Bivol. Really? That guy's good. He is crafty. I was seeing some things in there that got me more excited than, you know, I, cause, I, I didn't pay too close at the, the Jean Pascal fight was so bad. I was just like, I don't even want to acknowledge this. Um, and, and that he, that Bivol didn't finish Pascal was a little alarming to me, but watching him in this fight, even though it, it, the, the criticism of Bivol that's evolving of him basically not going for it, right? Of not stepping on the gas and going for the finish when he's got, when he's clearly better than his opponent. Um, that, that, that may remain and that I may be valid. 
But yo, that guy was really good. I mean, it was effortless. He was, he stuffed everything that Joe Smith attempted to do. And Joe Smith is not like a guy who arrives with plan A, B, C, and D, but still for 12 rounds, that level of concentration and mastery and craft and just, uh, uh, you know, to, to deal with a guy who is a very strong opponent at least and will throw punches. I thought it was, it was really an impressive performance. And it's like, he's, there's an efficiency of movement. He, he's, he's boxing so well, Beeble, without using, using more of the ring than he needs to. It's, it was, I thought it really, really impressive and just landing when at, almost at will. And I think that's where the criticism comes in because people say, well, if you're landing at will, why wouldn't you will yourself to land some more? But what are you going to do? Well, I thought, you know, Smith had, had some, had some balls in there. He had a tough chin because he was getting hit. He was getting lit up and he wasn't backing down. And, and, uh, yeah, that's the way it was. Uh, I'll shout out to DeZone for no longer, it seems, using Sugar Ray Leonard on the broadcast, which seemed like an expensive waste of time. And now they added Mannix to this week's booth, which was Brian Kenny, Sergio Mora, and Mannix while Todd Grisham was out in, uh, Europe doing a glory kickboxing card. I thought it was a fairly good team. It's a much yeah, better look, look than Sugar Ray. I, it's, it's fine. I'm, I enjoyed it. Brian Kenny was in there too, right? Doing the, doing the porcupine stuff. Um, I don't know, man. Who cares? They, they, they're calling the fights. I enjoyed the fights. Um, what I want to ask you about, oh, you know what DeZone should do? Just do winner, winner's bracket, loser's bracket of this card. They're not, do, give us, let, give Callum Johnson another shot at, at, at a title. Give him B-Vol, keep it in the family. Because uh, I I think that Bevel wins that fight, but it's interesting. You you, you saw Callum Johnson beat the hell. Out I saw of the Johnny result, Monahan. not the fight, not the fight. I did see the result, and afterwards Callum said I could knock out any light heavyweight. So he wants himself some Bevel. But there's this other man, Sergei Kovalev. But Sergei is on the wrong side of the street, correct? Even though main events promotes Bevel and Sergei. Who knows? I I don't. I, ESPN do, did pick up an option on uh, or top rank through ESPN. I don't even know how to describe these moves anymore. Did pick up CAA picked up an option on <laughs> on Sergei Kovalev. Um, but I don't think that Kovalev is such a coveted fighter for them that they wouldn't be able to work out a deal under the right circumstances. But who knows? I, I think that those fights could be made uh, if they need to. But without that. I don't, I, I'm saying even if Kovalev is stuck over there fighting, well, he's not stuck. He could fight Vozdik. He could, he could, uh, he could fight lots of good light heavyweights or, or guys coming up from 168, uh, over with top rank. Um, but in the zone, if they got to keep it in the family, I don't mind Callum Johnson against Bevold next. And I, and I, and, I, and as an undercard, it'd be fun as hell to finally get that Long Island grudge match of Shawnee Monahan versus Joe Smith Jr. Crossroads, loser goes home. I mean, they had wars in the amateurs and you just, I mean, that's, that's, that's the last step for them. That is the, uh, that is the Jarrell Miller versus babyface Kalnatsky of, of the Long Island division. I made an extra Lady, you're scaring us. Indeed. Hey, Mo, Mo Hooker. Hooker got Hooker headlines. Defended his 140 title on the undercard with an easy points win over Mikkel Lespierre. Uh, Rafe, I don't care. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. All right, let's roll through. Daniel Dubois, the heavyweight you mentioned, he blew away Razvan Kojanu in two rounds. Afterwards, he said, quote, one day me and Joshua hopefully 
can get it on. You know what, Daniel Dubois? I love your daddy. We good friends. I love your daddy. But let's get it on. And the key here is that Dubois, who's what, like 19 or 21 or, I don't know, they say for 680, says something like that. He says he has floored AJ in sparring, but then asked directly, he won't bring up details because what happens in sparring stays in sparring. Rave, how far away are we on me actually caring enough to, like, watch Daniel Dubois fight and not just talk about him? You want me? I can make you care about Daniel Dubois right now. Here it is. Here it is. You give give him the right nickname, and then whoever his opponents are, you can say, boy... You're getting beat by a man with double Ds. Wow, wow, wow. But is he, is he good enough? He's not good enough for Who the hell knows? Anthony he's, Josh. he's heavyweight you can't tell until they start fighting real fights. All right, all right. I'm getting pretty close, though. If you don't know who he is, look him up. I'm pretty close, Dwyer. I am pretty close. Uh Also this weekend in Accra, Ghana. This one slipped under our radar, Rafe. 41-year-old Joshua Cloddy came back. TKO6 over... Mfame, Mfame. Is that like Sirhan, Sirhan? I don't, shout out to RFK on that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, Rafe, he retired afterwards. He said this one was for the fans. Joshua Claudi's career is over. Did he lose to that shapeshifter Mundine or did he win? I forgot. I'm too lazy to look it up, Rafe. Either I way, admit- what's your favorite Joshua Claudi memory? It's all over, Rafe. The career is over. Uh, it's got to be getting punched with two fists at the same time by Manny Pacquiao is my favorite Josh Clotty memory. How have we ever forgiven Josh Clotty? Because, look, we thought that was going to be— For the bang-bang fight? For the bang-bang-bang. Try and stop me. Bang. We thought that was going to be Maypack. All the promoters did. They got Jerry World for that fight. Clotty, the last-minute sub. As we all know, he laid an egg. He didn't try to win. He stood behind that high guard. Manny lit him up. That was the last time we actually cared about the guy, Rafe. Should we ever take him off the hook for that performance? Probably not. I mean, what is there to what is the redeeming thing? He had a fun fight with Miguel Cotto when Cotto was not even sure if he wanted to be a boxer after recovering from the first Margarito fight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like Claudie for the money he was making in that Jerry World fight owed us a chance to see him get sent to hell, right? Or is that just weird backwards boxing fan talk? Oh, he doesn't owe us anything, but he, he, we also don't owe him any sort of fond legacy talk. He's just a, he's just a dude. Congratulations. All right. Congratulations. He is gone. All right, Rafe. We're going to get to latest news in a second. Before we do, hey, how about a word from our friends and sponsors? Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Rafe Bugs, your boy BC, coming at you. The State of Combat. Latest news. And it begins with Triple G. Finally, Rafe. I mean, we said 
pee or get off the throne. He finally did. He signs. And as we record this this morning, I believe in L.A., in your backyard, they are going to formally announce this that Triple G has a multi-fight deal with the zone. What is it? Something like, uh, I forgot the details. It's a lot of money. And it's offering Triple G a chance at purchasing equity in the company. It's offering him four guaranteed dates for his fledgling Triple G promotions. It's also offering him, after a June sort of setup fight, a chance at a third Canelo fight this fall if Big Red can defeat Danny Jacobs on May 4th. Uh, Rafe, strong move. A strong move. We know that ESPN was involved in talks, PBC. In the end, DAZN has more money and more big name middleweights. Do you have any other thoughts that we haven't covered every week when we brought this up about your boy Trips signing? My only thought is that this took so long. Everyone knew this was the move that he should have made for since way back last year, basically since the day that they announced the end of HBO boxing. So, why did it ha- why did they string it out? I'm sure there are some business reasons, but it has not been fun to watch and and he's lost real career momentum, which is weird to say that shouldn't happen over 6 months, but that's kind of what has happened. I don't think I think he is not in that conversation, the boxing conversation the way he he has been for the last few years, which is it feels weird as as a couple of of good boys here. I'm not used to it. But at the same time, like you you can't no one to blame, but no one to blame at all. But we'll see. Got it now. It's on. Now it's on Triple G to make some interesting fights and sort of get back in there. Well, I mean, obviously, he can. Plenty of chances to do that when you consider you got Canelo, Jacobs, who you have to believe win or lose, he's going to end up facing in a rematch. You got Lemieux for for a quick stay busy. You got Andrade. It looks like Billy Joe Saunders is headed to ESPN. Was the latest rumors on that? So he's out of the picture. But you certainly got a good mix. If he wants to go to sixty eight, you got Kelm Smith. There's a good. There's opportunities for him financially. Ryan. He says. By the way, it looks like he's staying with Tom Loeffler. So the top Coppinger and Dan Rayfield were wrong on that regard. Uh it's a good business move, but look look what this means for DAZN, okay? Remember a month ago, we were like, is DAZN going in the right direction? Are the wheels going to fall off? Is this thing going to fall apart? The ace in the hole was that it seems like they have more money than everybody else from this Ukrainian oligarch. And you know what they have now? The biggest star in the sport in Anthony Joshua. The biggest pay-per-view draw in North America in Canelo Alvarez, who they've taken off pay-per-view. Now they have Gennady Golovkin. And if they bring them back in June, they can do it in the same month as AJ fighting Big Baby. So the people that sign on for one month free get to see both. And now they can tease you with the idea of Triple G Canelo 3, which in all, you know, all intents and purposes, is probably the biggest fight this year. Um, You got to give DAZN credit, Rafe. They're, they're swinging that stick around. And I don't feel like this is the end of the people they can attract. No, in fact, you see the sort of cascade effect happening, and we'll, I'm sure this is our next item in the news, is is that DAZN reportedly is making overtures with Deontay Wilder. Him and Wilder and John Skipper are supposed to meet this week, right? Wow. And I don't know. I hope they don't have the Oscar meeting. I hope that kind of that kind of persuasion doesn't exist, doesn't have to happen with an active fighter. But they're gonna talk. They're gonna hash it out. They're gonna see if there's a way to do some business over here because. 
last week or whenever, the idea of Brazil Wilder wasn't really popping off on pay-per-view for any fan with a brain on his or her head. Well, here's the timeline here, all right? Out of nowhere, Top Coppinger, Mike Coppinger comes out with the report, like you mentioned, Wilder's going to talk with Skipper and Lou DiBella set it up and they hadn't told uh, Al Heyman and Shelly Finkel, don't tinkle with the what? Let me tell you, don't you tinkle with the Finkel. Well, it looks like he tinkled right there. Big sweet Lou tinkle that looks like we don't know what became of that or if it happened yet. We do know Oscar is a freak if he's going to be involved in that meeting. I love watching, uh, yeah, love watching De La Hoya. Oh, De La Hoya was a freak. Yes, he was, Washkiel. He was and he still is. Anyway, here's the deal. If Wilder ends up somehow signing with the zone on some kind of deal that gets him the Joshua fight, and I feel like any PBC guy, if they stand up for themselves, I feel like they can get it because the key of what Al Heyman's doing is you don't, you sign with Heyman, so he's tied up with you seemingly for life, but there's no promoter that you're tied up with for life. That's the whole Al Heyman, you know, backdoor plan here. So I feel like if Wilder stood up for himself, and fought this, what is Showtime Fox and Payman gonna do? Offer him him a ton of money from the from the from the uh the vault the Waddell and Reed the Waddell files? and Reed vault? I'm not really sure. But what's interesting is after Cop reported that, he went on just yesterday on Sunday on that uh Fox P- PBC uh what, what's that show called? Inside PBC Boxing with Kate Abdo. And suddenly he flipped his script and said that no Wilder is gonna fight Brazil on what was it, May eighteenth? Eighteen. And did not mention Showtime pay-per-view. And that was the thing that leaked in recent days. Everyone, a boxing Twitter going nuts saying if, if Wilder Brazil is on Showtime pay-per-view, come on. And the reason why it would be, of course, is because Wilder's been offered a deal from, by ESPN and now seemingly DAZN's online one and they got a ton of money to offer him like 20 million per fight. So if Showtime's going to broadcast this fight, it would seemingly have to be on pay-per-view. The problem is we all know Wilder Brazil, while you can talk up the trash talking side of it, you can talk up the idea that, what, Wilder's brother brawled with Brazil in the hotel lobby that time. Look, there's something you can make there, and the fight wouldn't stink. Boost Brazil's a big dude. It would be a brawl. It would be a knockout. Not a pay-per-view. We know that. You know that. Glazer knows that. Uh, uh, Dwyer knows that. Even Wilder knows it. And Wilder has done one interview in the past week in exclusive with the, uh, the boxing voice. And here's what he said, quote, Pay-per-view for me is definitely those big moments, those special magical moments for fights that people have to see. Brazil don't fit that bill. Nobody knows Brazil. He tries to play that tough man role, but his voice ain't even deep enough for starters, and he ain't got no swagger. End quote. Good Lord, thank you, Deontay Wilder. Wow, Rafe. Hashtag quality hate. Shout out to Adam Abramowitz, Saturday Night Boxing, a service that I have. Wow, he's speaking what we're all thinking, Rafe. Well, right? I thought you were going to play some funny. So did I, but I, did. I, just, I just saw you looking at the soundboard. I'm thinking, or looking at whatever. You, I don't know what you're looking at down there. Pictures of Keith Thurman. I don't know. Wow, wow. Um, wow. look, wow. I love wow. the honesty there. But here's the deal. Um, I don't have it. You know, I mean, look, we uh, as a fan, don't you want to see more PBC guys break off and potentially go like? Daniel Jacobs seemed to stand up for himself, even though he's still repped by Al Heyman. He went to Eddie and originally HBO and now the zone for big money. If, if Deontay Wilder pulls this move off, wouldn't that open up the floodgates? It would seem that way. He would be the first really high profile and you, you can't, it's not, it wouldn't really, you can't really call it a, uh, the first one to, uh, to defect because he's not defecting from anything. Heyman is still, 
his advisor the same way he would advise any of his other fighters. And if he's given him good advice, he probably is saying, go take that money because it may not be able, unless the Waddell and Reed treasure chest is still available, the rest, the, the, the deals on paper don't seem to cover the kind of money that DAZN is offering guys like Wilder. And we hear rumors already of Jamal Charlo maybe having a little, having tea and crumpets with our guy Eddie Hearn maybe this week. So to that's talk a natural about coming segue. over to get some of those big middleweight fights. Real quick, that's a natural segue. Hearn came out and spoke about it and he says, we haven't met yet. We talked on the phone, but we're going to have a meeting. And his message to Jamal Charlo, he said on the phone was, what the F are you waiting for? Basically saying this, like, you say you got to go talk to Al Heyman. You got to call Mr. Cantha. You saying that. And what's he going to do? He's going to offer you a couple extra million, but I can pay you more and give you the opponents you want. So, Rafe, this is now going to put some legitimate pressure on Al Heyman, Fox, and Showtime because if any of these fighters stand up. Everybody got to eat. AJ was right on that. AJ was damn right. Everybody's got to eat, baby. So, yeah. So, yeah. And here's the deal, Rafe. We're going to find out what tricks Al Heyman really has up his sleeve to keep all these guys happy because for a guy like Jamal Charlo at 160, there are not opponents unless Hurd's moving up. There just are not opponents at PBC that are attractive. They're all at the zone. So it's going to be very interesting because I think it used to be when a Rock Nation or an Eddie Hearn would offer Adrian Broner uh, uh, this huge salary, right? Al would just, it seemingly would just say, here, let me throw you some under the table to keep you happy. But when when you're talking to Broner, you can also promise Broner, Manny Pacquiao, and all these other big Walter weights, right? Who are you going to promise Jamal Charlo? Who are you going to promise Deontay Wilder, Rafe? There are not a lot of options over. I mean, Deontay Wilder, they can make some, you promise some FA Ajagba after you turn him into a star in five years. I don't know. It's, that's not probably what Deontay Wilder wants to hear in his early thirties with some of the biggest fights in the sport available to him. If he just, uh, acts like the free agent he's, he apparently is in, in the sport, at least promotionally and, and, and network wise. Are one of these guys going to jack from hell? Is it going to happen? Hey, they're not jacking from Al. Al that's the beauty of what Al does. Yeah, while, yes, it, it may be – right now he may be having some problems uh, delivering them all to the platforms that expect them because he obviously the deals with Fox and Showtime, they expect guys like Wild. That's what they're paying millions of dollars for. But – so, so that is a problem that Al has to deal with. But for the fighters, this is still good. As I, I guess it only becomes alarming to me, I think, if it becomes clear that somehow Al Heyman's influence is leading fighters towards taking options that aren't the best for their career, that aren't making them the best money, giving them the best opportunities to become stars, that aren't making what are truly the best fights because guys like Deontay Wilder, Jamal Charlo, they don't need protection at this point in their careers. They are pretty much in their primes at the top of their respective divisions and they don't need to be, you know, they don't need to be matched carefully anymore. Just they, they, they need to be pushed into the biggest, most important fights where they'll make the most money. And obviously you do, you control what you can, to give their give your guys the best opportunities to succeed, but they don't need protection like some kind of prospect anymore. It's a hard on day for me today. It may be a hard on day for fans, Rafe, because this is the fans' dream, right? That Wilder would consummate an Anthony Josh fight, that he would go to the zone, that Jamal Charlo would fight Triple G or Jacobs, you know, and touch M's or fight Canelo. But what would that mean? Like, not that we're supposed to care about the networks. Okay, so 
full disclosure, I'm somewhat employed by some of these networks, so I don't want to see any of them go down, but I'm not sure that's the, the care of many fans, but this has to be potential bad news for Fox or Showtime if these PBC guys can eventually jump over. And would, but maybe does this open the door for where boxing should be? Where guys don't need to be tied down. These guys don't need to then go to the zone and be there for life. It, could this potentially open the door where guys on PBC could leave for one fight to go make a fight that would make sense on the zone and then come back and continue fighting on Showtime and Fox? Should fans care? Does it matter? Is this a good thing for boxing or is this going to only bring more guys to the zone and ruin uh, Showtime and Fox? Where is this going, Rafe? Well, What's good for boxing is that it could, could in, could also be bad for networks or streaming platforms or whatever. We don't really know how all of it's going to shake out. I don't think that this moment is going to last indefinitely where there are several different outfits spending big money, putting pressure on networks to, to up the ante at, at with every fight every month offering new deals, having attractive fights on the other side. That kind of pressure is something that exists now because of all the money that DAZN is pouring into it. DAZN has big aspirations throughout the world in sports, though. They don't want to just be the leaders in boxing. They're looking down the line at picking up big major U.S. team rights, now uh, U.S. league rights. Um, now, is that possible for a streaming platform? Do, is, it, is it, can, we don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That's why they hired John Skipper. We were at ESPN when John Skipper there. He wasn't exactly like a champion of boxing. It's not, doesn't really profile as the kind of sport. He's a soccer guy, a basketball guy, but he knows business and he knows how to cut deals. But eventually they want him to make deals with the NBA, with the ML, you know, well, they made the little deal with the MLB. That's their end game. At that point, do they stop spending some of that money on boxing? We don't know. That's all years down the line in all likelihood. We have to bring in your boy Evan Rakowski of the Fistionados podcast to sort of break this all down for us because it's getting hairy in here. Because look at power moves. Eddie Hearn took AJ, got him away from Showtime, brought him to the zone. Now he's trying to do the same thing with Wilder. Like this guy is a trickster. He's making moves, Rafe. He may end up being boxing's Robin Hood in the end. It's all going to have to happen on his platform. But like it's crazy right now. But I almost have fear. When is this? Ukrainian oligarchs war chest going to run out. Can it run well, out? That is the danger that look as people who work in media, we have observed and sometimes experienced what it is like to have to your when your boss is a crazy rich man. It's great when everything's going well. And then when the, when the guy spending all the money decides he doesn't like the toy anymore, you're done. And that is – the rug can get pulled out on zone like that. And you, you obviously they're going to do everything they can to not let that happen. But that's always a possibility on some level. And I'm a zone subscriber, right? I'm paying my $9.99 a month. I heard Canelo was in the fold. I said, okay, you know, I know how Canelo operates. Yeah. So it's not just Canelo. It's AJ. It's Triple J. It's, uh, yeah, anyone can be, they, they, everyone's got a price for the million dollar man, Eddie Hearn. All right. Everyone. Ha 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 ha. In other latest news, Rafe. Wow. Sad news. Super middleweight title holder, Caleb Plant's mother, uh, shot and killed by a Tennessee deputy. She pulled a knife after being, uh, put placed in an ambulance. We don't know details about why we know that Caleb Plant had a really rough upbringing. And it seems like in the tributes he did to his mother on social media, that she had some demons, but, uh, that was a wild headline to, to, to come across. We know that Caleb Plant's dealt with uh loss of his daughter as well. Wow. Rafe tough, 
tough break there. I don't know if this yeah, is- very sad. You know, your heart goes out to him and his family, and condolences, and and you hate to see, you know, you hate to see it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how to roll off of that. Uh, that's tough there, Rafe. Uh, in other news, former two division title holder, the Magic Man, Rafe Paulie Malinaji, after a two year retirement. Boxing is full of shit, man. So here's what he's gonna do. He's back, and he's not back in the box. He's back. In the bare knuckle fighting championship, signing a two year deal with the fledgling promotion. His debut expected to come in June in Manchester, New Hampshire. Just a reminder, only three states are currently regulated for this type of combat. Wyoming, Mississippi, and New Hampshire, Rafe. Before we throw to Polly and get his side of the tail, you surprised? You excited? You care? I don't really care. I am a little bit surprised because what's been the knock on Pauly throughout his entire boxing career, he's got brittle hands. He used to break his hands all the time. It's why he he supposedly couldn't throw his right hand with full power throughout most of his career. Uh Uh-oh, did Pauly want to jump in here? Yo, 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 relax, relax, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, Paul. Uh, Polly, uh, your hands just, they, 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 they break. So how are you going to be fighting with no gloves? I don't know. Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. Well, now it's 2019 and athletes fight with bare knuckles. We're going to find out, Rev. Hey, let's not bury the lead anymore. Let's go right the to the source. Champion. The magic man himself, showtime broadcaster extraordinaire, Polly Malinaji, coming right at you. Enjoy. Malinaji, two-time world champion in boxing, but Paulie, I, I had to get you on the line right away when I read this press release because it's a shocker to me. Bare knuckle fighting championship, thirty-eight years old. You're back after two years, bro. You're taking the gloves off here. You got to tell me how this happened. What's the mindset here entering into this? Yeah, literally dropping the gloves, right? Um, <laughs> but still fighting. So you know, NHL style. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it, it wasn't really something that crossed my mind until uh, I was on a radio show with Dave Feldman a, a couple of months ago. And um, it still didn't cross my mind even back then. But then, um, you know, me and him spoke about uh, some things. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I like the numbers he was throwing at me. And I felt like it was a, it's a good opportunity for me to kind of step in. You know, I wouldn't say I'm going to start campaigning and resume like an entire career here because at 38, you don't do that. But I still think there's, you know, there's fights I can take and and then make things exciting. And of course, you know, there's the whole, uh, McGregor beef that maybe, uh, this, this coward will maybe meet me in the middle somewhere, you know? And I, and I think, uh, uh, if you have, yeah, I got the end of that. You said this coward McGregor might. So is this, look, the, the natural response when people were going, is this a long play to lure Connor into a boxing match? Um, I don't think it's a long play because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here for the long haul. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're not going to do it in MMA, right? I mean, it's obvious we're not going to do it in MMA. <laughs> Beef wasn't do it in boxing if we're gonna settle it because the beef was in boxing. You know, the, the he according to him he's he did all these things including drop me according to him, right? So so the beef wasn't box, but he's not gonna do it in boxing either because he obviously he doesn't want to be proven the bum that he is at that too. So so I figured you know what this is a kind of a, of a play in the middle. You know we can uh, we can uh, uh, do a bare knuckle. He's a supposed puncher. I don't think he was a puncher. You know I never felt he was a puncher. Uh, so. So, you know, he's a supposed puncher with a small MMA, MMA glove. So obviously he's going to be some kind, some kind of a puncher with, uh, um, with the, uh, bare knuckles, right? So, I mean, it's got to give him some kind of advantage. You would think for those that assume he's a puncher, you know, I know the puncher power I'm dealing with, with him. And, and I know it's not, it's, it's not 
uh, it's not anything to, to be scared about. But but I also think uh, um, got the better of me with boxing gloves, according to him. I, I think this is a no-brainer, especially with the with the kind of money we can generate. Now you're a, a giant name for BKFC to add. We've seen a bunch of uh, former MMA stars. Th- uh, they just added Artem Loboff, the former UFC fighter, who a lot of people know on the MMA side is uh, best friend, longtime training partner with Conor McGregor. We're we gonna see a Paulie Lobov showdown as sort of a pro wrestling way to to grab Conor's attention. I mean, if you beat his boy, he may have to do the old Klitschko brother routine and get his brothers back. Correct. If if I beat if if I ever fight Low Bob, I mean they'll have they'll, they might arrest me for an assault. You know I don't I don't know that I don't know that that's the way to go. You know I I really didn't sign into BKFC to uh, to look at uh, Artem Lobov to be honest with you. But um you know I I do know that he signed to the promotion as well. I I I think the guy is is Connor's personal floor mopper. You know or 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 whatever else he he does as a favor of Connor because I don't I don't think he's ever actually made a name for himself for his own combat skills at all and. Honestly, he's going to step into into boxing, bare knuckle, or whatever you know it is. Uh, he's not. It, it, I think there's levels to this thing. It, it, like I said, I mean, if, if I end up fighting him, it would be an assault. I don't. <laughs> then I'm like a bad. Guy. You know I mean, if, if I put this guy in a hospital or, I, or 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 I put this guy in some worse damage, then I'm the bad guy. What am I going to do? Then I'm a bad guy. Like I, it, it's kind of it's kind of a, a counterproductive in that in that regard. Uh, I'm not trying to be Drago to to Connor's Rocky here. You know what I'm saying? But. But I, uh, but uh, uh, I would like to, for at least the opportunity to, to for for Connor, if he's that brave, to uh, at least say, okay, this is in the middle, let's do it. You know, I know what Connor's thinking. I know Connor knows he's not even remotely on my level. I know Connor knows exactly what happened in that twelve round sparring. That's why he's never shown the video. But, but regardless, I, I, I just find it funny that um, you know, we keep hounding him, we keep exposing him, and he keeps exposing himself as a coward that he is. So I, I figured it. You know, there's only two minute rounds of this. Brian, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's not that long to, to the, it's not that long to the finish line, you know? So all even right. a bum, quitter, coward like McGregor, who's not the bravest guy in the world at all, he's actually a coward. Even he, if he's taking a beating, can actually all mm. and say, you know what? I've just got to stick this out just for a little bit and I can at least survive at this, you know? Like even a coward like that can always see the end of light at the end of the tunnel. So I, I figured like it would, it would, it would, it would, um, it would benefit him as well to, to try to at least man up in some kind of way. All right, let me ask you the hard questions here, because I mentioned it was a shocker when this was announced, because I think the natural reaction for people is to say, okay, Pauly Slick Boxer, doesn't, I don't care about the age, you, you, you can get in shape, you've still got it, but bare knuckle, don't you have a history of, of, of hand issues? Is this the right move? How do you defend that? You know, I think this, you know, you, you obviously have, obviously have had hand injuries in the past, but here's how I defend this. You're using to you when you're using your bare knuckles. You don't have to have to throw everything full strength. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you're not gonna be throwing haymakers. It's not like people think bare knuckle and they, they think some kind of caveman stuff. You know, there's there's still some kind of technique to it. There's still some kind of game planning to it. It's a MMA. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, and and so there's also a, a, a different way you're gonna be throwing punches. There's a different way you're gonna be defending, and 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 things of that nature. You know, I. I don't think, I mean, listen, I think hand injuries can obviously happen in bare knuckle, but hand injuries can happen in any combat sport. Sometimes you take the gloves for granted and you don't make a proper fist. You don't do things like, like that you should. And that's why you get hurt even with gloves on, you know, but with bare knuckle, I think it, it, it emphasizes the importance of, of understanding. You can't throw everything at full strength, full strength, some things are not the importance of making a proper fist, things of that nature. So I, I also believe that you're, you may not get as hurt. Sure, you'll feel the the bruising on your hands, of course, but that that's not long term. 
All right. Now, what about the idea you mentioned that it's it's a little I think there's a reason more MMA guys have come to this type of combat than boxing, because you can dirty box. I think you can hold and punch. There's some elements yeah. of the MMA infighting. Is that going to be a yeah. negative against you? How are you going to deal with that? Um, you know, I'll deal with it. Obviously, I'm going to be trained for it. But, you know, in order to get that close, you have to close the gap and, cut, and, cut, and, cut, and, cut, and close range, right? And, and that means you have to get through my hand speed as well. My hands are very fast barehanded. I mean, I was always known as, as for my speed, but you're going to put me in, bare, in a barehanded situation. You, you, I'm, gonna, I'm very, very fast. You know, I'm telling you, like, the, the barehanded speed is, gonna, is going to really be a problem. Um, and so, yeah, you, you can get close and try to wrestle around. I mean, I'm not going to sit there like a heavy bag and let you wrestle with me all over the place. Obviously, this is of course, you know, to earn your way into that distance, you're going to get have to get through an assault. And again, with bare knuckles, shots don't have to be full strength to bust you up. You know what I'm saying? My knuckles just have to connect. And my knuckles are going to connect because I have the accuracy of a pro boxer. This is interesting. I'm, I'm fired up. Now, I got to ask you, you're, you're a great corner man. Peter Cards, the guy you do the Brooklyn to the World podcast on uh, Showtime Sports. That is back. Check it out on, on YouTube. It is back in action. The great Seth Nyman producing you there. Uh, Peter Cards has been in a few, uh, bare knuckle fisticuffs in his days. Is he going to train you for this? <laughs> Peter's always on Team Island. That's my best friend and he's my ride or die brother, you know? So, so, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it, he'll definitely be there and he'll, he'll be supporting. Obviously, yeah. Just like everybody else, Peter did at first have his reservations about it and, and think I was crazy. And then, you know, Peter knows I, I, I live a, a comfortable life, so he was wondering what the deal was. But then, you know, we, uh, we, we looked at the overall situation, uh, just like I explained to the rest of my family and, and team, and, you know, it, it, it starts to make more sense once you delve deeper into it. So outside of, look, this, there's, there's some money involved. There's maybe McGregor-ish involved. Is this like there's still an itch in you? Like, hey, NBA guys retire. They, they play in the summer leagues deep into their 40s and 50s. Is this what this is kind of like? Yeah, well, they play nice cubes three on three, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, to a degree, like in the summer sort of thing, yes, you know. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't think you ever completely don't miss it, you know. Uh, I, I, I think I, I think you what you don't miss is the training and and the uh, the making weight part of it. But you know, uh, I think once you get over that, you know, you do miss you do miss uh, fight night. Sometimes you do miss the the anticipation of a of a of being the center of attention again and whatnot. Um, it's weird, you know. I I I can't say I miss it totally, but uh, of course some of it is is the rush of just competition. You know, uh, I don't I don't need to be famous. Like I'm not, I don't I, I can't say I miss the the fame part of it, but I do. I do sometimes miss competing, and of course the money's good. All right, all right. Now, I think the allure, I think one of the things that BKFC is selling, especially for somebody like me who was a big fan of those early UFC days where it felt illegal and raw and absurd, yeah, yeah. there's some of that mm-hmm. feel. I mean, these these fight cards are coming out of, like, Wyoming. Is there any appeal for you in that, that it's sort of, like, reckless and rugged? Yeah, you know, I, I I didn't grow I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, so you know the reckless and rugged is where I come from, you know. So to kind of go back to that, but now have the the skills of a trained fighter through the, so many years in boxing, um, yeah, there's an allure to that, of course, you know. Uh, and 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 like I said, I mean, there's an allure. There's the allure to to compete again, and of course the uh, the allure of the money as well. And and I think it's a one hand washing the other situation because BKFC needed somebody like me to kind of generate crossover media. To, to cover that sport and uh, when they do cover the sport they'll realize that and the fans will start to realize that you know what it is exciting and there is a lot to see and there is a lot to get excited about and uh, uh they wouldn't have got that kind of press without signing somebody like me so i think it's a one hand watch for the other where i can kind of 
get that itch out and, and also get paid while also they can get the coverage they need. Because all they need really is the eyeballs. Once they get the eyeballs, I believe fans will gravitate to the sport. All right. One thing I love about your pro- podcast, which has changed names at times, it's Brooklyn to the world right now, I believe. But I love the storytelling. I love when Peter Kartz talks about punching a cab driver in the gut on New Year's Eve. I love all that stuff. So do you have a story? When was the last Pauli Malignaggi bare knuckle fist fight? Uh, last Pauli Malignaggi bare knuckle street, uh, street fight was uh, uh, I was 31 years old. So it's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a little while. And it was a road rage incident. Oh, wow. And wow. And I got arrested. <laughs> did, did somebody get a two piece out of this? What happened? Yeah, yeah, it was a, a little bit. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you the, the short version because I don't want to give you the version and get myself into any trouble. But it was a little bit of a road rage incident. I was actually in camp for a Vyacheslav Sinchenko fight, um, and I got myself arrested. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. You know, I'm, I'm training for the world title. You know, honestly, you know, you don't plan on getting into a street fight. It was it, just things just end up. And I got myself arrested, and um, and. Uh, the court date when I got out, obviously I had to. I got out the next day, and the court date ends up being scheduled three days after the Zinchenko fight. Wow, that was in the Ukraine, Ukraine right? The fight. Yeah, and so this, obviously I come back from the Ukraine as a new world champion, you know. And when I got to the, when I got to the courthouse on Tuesday, I came back. I came back. The fight was on a Sunday. I came back Monday and Tuesday morning. I had my court date, so you know I, I show up totally normal, you know, because when I got arrested, no no pressure really covered it. So when I got to the courthouse on Tuesday morning, there were news cameras. Like, you know, they, well, I wouldn't say, like, all the news was there, but, like, I remember, like, New York Channel 7 Eyewitness News was there and everything else, you know? And, then, and they covered it like this, like the, the quote-unquote assault that happened that day. Like, and they basically covered it like he might be a world champion, but didn't, it, didn't, it didn't prevent him from going crazy in the street and whatnot. You know, they made me look like a lunatic, which obviously wasn't the story at all, you know, because but, but, I'm not going to just attack somebody for no reason. But, but, um, but, you know, it was, it was funny because the way they made it sound, I had people calling me. They thought I was in jail, you know, because oh, it, but wow. it didn't happen that day, nor was I in jail that day. That day was just my court date. But even the way the news spun it, it was kind of a, of a, a sort of a, a, a pro- prophetic in the, in the way the news would start covering uh, news in the future, which now is like out of, out of this world crazy. Oh, yeah, TMZ, all that stuff. Uh, I want to get you quickly uh, your thoughts on Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence Jr. this Saturday on Fox Pay-Per-View. We're all fired up because of the size of Mikey's balls to actually get into a fight like this. I'm telling you, I feel old-school vibes, like we're going to see some kind of like Leonard Hearns type stuff in terms of people daring to be great, but does mm-hmm. Mikey really have a chance yeah. against a, a welterweight that big? I think I think it's more Leonard versus uh, uh, Durant and Leonard, Leonard Hearns. You know, there's you can see the you can feel like a little bit of a risk factor for Errol, but of course you favor him. You know what I'm saying? But you can feel the the ballsy factor of 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 a, of a Garcia kind of falling into the Durant-esque type of mentality. Obviously, minus the uh, the, uh, uh, the the dirty grunge, low down attitude that Durant had. But nonetheless, in the ring, you could see Garcia. The fight gets closer. You can see Garcia sort of having moments and you see Garcia sort of getting his respect in the fight, you know, and, and obviously you want to see Errol push because so far he hasn't been pushed aside from that Kell Brook fight, you know, and, and, uh, um, and to have, you know, to have that kind of fight in the States now where Errol has a chance to kind of get that notoriety and both guys kind of dare to be great and, and rise to the occasion. I'll be honest. At first I wasn't sold on this fight. I wasn't crazy about it, but as it gets closer, the hype is selling me. I mean, that- yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm fired up. All right, uh, two, two on the way out. One real quick here. Uh, if you would have beaten Adrian Broner in that split decision loss, do you think you would have gotten Floyd? Yes, I do. 
Wow. So there was there was talk about there was talk about that, and uh, yes, I, I do think I would have gotten put. Do you ever think, think about what that five to seven million? I, I, I had conversations with Al Heyman before that, and yes, I would have gotten put. Um, uh, but uh, but hey, that's 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 the way it happens. That's the way it goes. Um, my only regret about the Adrian Broner fight isn't so much that that uh, I lost the fight. My regret is if you're gonna give it to him probably should have made the rematch within six months Yeah, because it was such a highly rated show. I think it was the highest rated championship boxing show that year on Showtime and maybe in the, in the States in general. And uh, there was a built-in rematch uh, storyline there, you know, uh, on, on, all, on all cylinders, you know. And I think uh, uh, they really dropped the ball on not making the immediate rematch and they kind of let it go by because, and it, because our careers after that kind of, I wouldn't say tanked because Adrian's been able to make a lot of money and I even made some money afterwards, but I'd say our careers kind of fluttered away after that and, and when it could have probably become a trilogy had they made that rematch all right to close here paulie i want to have fun with you for one second uh you're outstanding i think the best the best analyst in the game of boxing and the work you do for showtime but something's changed in boxing analysis over the last year and a half instead of let's say there's a situation where fighter a hurts fighter b mid-round and he wants to get him out of there so he starts putting it on him and then what happens is he kind of runs out of gas in doing that. And suddenly he's the fighter who's backing up. We used to just say, oh, wow, he may have run out of gas. He may have punched himself out. But, Paulie, yeah. times have changed now. Credible announcers are now saying outrageous things like. So he shot his load, and now he's getting pummeled. Oh, and then this guy's saying. He might have shot his load a little bit. Maybe he uh he blew his wad early. What the hell's going on? We call it Load Watch 2019 on our podcast, and I think it all started real quick with Floyd Mayweather after the McGregor fight. Let him shoot his load, and then down the stretch, do what we do best. When did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he shot his load and you could come at him? Now, Paulie, it's part of the lexicon. Would you in 2019 ever use the term shot his load on a cable broadcast? What's going on here? You know, I, I come from... Uh, a different terminology for what what that expression means, but of course you can kind of see it in a metaphorical sense because when when you do do that, what do you feel? You feel tired, right? So, so but just like in the fight, when you when you punch yourself out, you feel tired. So I can I can see where it's sort of a metaphor, but yeah, yeah. And I'm not the most PC guy in the world, but yeah, I come from a generation where that was that meant something else. So it should probably stick to yeah. It, it's an addiction right now. Everyone's all over it. I mean, even Mario Lopez, AC Slater was calling a fight card recently on Golden Boy, and he was like, he, he may have shot his watch. I think people need to pull back a little bit on that. Maybe have a little some load management. It's crazy because I never even really paid attention to this. But, yeah, you do hear that expression a lot, a lot more often than you realize. <laughs> our listeners to our podcast brought it to us. Now you're here in the NBA. Uh, Kevin Durant won't play because of load management. I don't know what's going on here, Paul. Oh, man. The, 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 the prima donnas of the NBA. Come on, man. <laughs> wow, he might have shot his load indeed. Paulie Malinaji, great chatting with you. Best of luck coming up. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. We expect a June debut against an opponent to be named later. Can't wait to see what this looks like, buddy. Great to see you getting back out there. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Hey, special thanks to Paul Malinaji. Hey, full disclosure as well, Rafe. We are recording this part of the show before the Paulie interview has been recorded. So we don't know what to react to. We don't know if athletes still sleep with a lot of women that in 2019. Was that interview was epic. Oh, you killed it, fam. God, how wow. do you do it wow. every time? Can you believe what he said about load watch, Rafe? Can you believe it? 
He's on. He's on the train. Him and Paulie Cards. They're 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 out here. Uh, you know, counting loads together. Wow. 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 We're gonna listen to that afterwards, just like Peter everybody Cards. else. I hope it was a great Apologies interview, Ray. Peter Cards. I just called you Paulie Cards. <laughs> I hope it was a great interview. But in all seriousness, I'm wondering if the BKFC. Uh, promoter David Feldman is trying to slow play the idea of getting Conor McGregor inside this bare knuckle bonanza in Wyoming. I, that that's already been hinted at, right? Do you, you well, you you know MMA, Brian? Is that is that remotely possible? Nah. Is there enough money? No, I don't. No, it's not. I mean, look, the UFC still has to kind of approve this. You know, they went all in on the Floyd thing because there was so much money at stake, and they cashed in reportedly upwards of forty million in that deal. So. No, but, uh, he's, you know, Paulie may end up bare knuckle fighting, uh, Conor McGregor's boy, Artem Lobov. You don't care about that. That's more MMA, and I know, Rafe, where you stand on a lot of that. UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching people in the ring who are also look like skinhead white guys. Wow. Bob never gonna live that down, but he don't care. He don't believe in effing contracts. He don't care. Rafe, it's time for weekend preview. Do you care? And also time to break down some Spence Garcia. So are you ready? Are you fired up? Do I need to cool you down at all? Come on, let me let me put some water water on your balls. Yes. Yes. Ah, okay, all right, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Cool down. Cool me down, Brian. Are you, Rafe, uh, good, no sound issues. A lot of people, hey, shout out to the people for staying with us last week when we had sound issues galore. Are you here with me or not? Look at you. A lot of people stayed with us. They were with me, so I'm happy about that. Friday night, Rafe, in the zone. And Philly, 2300 Arena, the ECW Arena. You know what? You don't get down with ECW. Oh, right? I, I, I was definitely down with ECW yes. back in the days, man. That was on, that was on some of the, you'd find it on weird cable channels, three in the morning on like a Friday or a Saturday morning. You just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys, the, the guy with the long hair and the glasses. This is awesome. <laughs> Wow, wow. The guy with the long hair and the glasses? Who's that? There's that, there was one guy who always in the front row of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fan, the super fan. All right, yeah. all right. You, were you down with the Sandman? I think Hell Steve Austin yes. I mean, stole his When you're in high school, you see the guy drink, comes out and smashing beers. I mean, yes, I was down. I love when Sandman would use the kendo stick to break open his own forehead and be bleeding before the match even started and then pouring beer on people. By the way, the best wrestling show Rafe I was ever at, 98, I think it was January, at a bar in New Britain called Connecticut, hard hit in New Britain called The Sting. The ceiling was so low they couldn't go off the top rope. And I saw full prime ECW, Sandman pouring beer on the guy in front of me. I was in the second row. Amazing. Amazing, Rafe. That's why you are a true mark. Wow. All right. <clears throat> Friday night, into zone from Philly. The Tevin Farmer show continues. I think the guy fights every three weeks. He's, he's on that Sugar Ray Robinson type level here. He's going to fight your boy, the bearded one from England, Jono Carroll, 12 rounds for Farmer's IBF junior lightweight title. Uh, do you care, Rafe? I cannot care, Brian. I cannot care, but this is ridiculous. I'm glad. I think I like how active Tevin Farmer is. I don't see what the point of making this fight is. John O'Carroll looks ridiculous. I hope that Philly makes him shave that beard. It is ridiculous to have that in a boxing ring. It's a nice fashion. I don't no, I don't care. I, I don't care about I Matisse. I guess I do life. care because I don't like it. I don't care about his family. Uh, who are we long playing uh, Farmer to fight? It's not like he can fight Gervonta, right? That's what they I, look. I, I, you don't think that Eddie Hearn might be 
throwing out some some bucks and you don't you don't think that Floyd likes money too? If look if 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 DeZone wants to throw some kick kick some of that bread down Floyd's way, why not? You can make a deal. And Eddie Hearn and these guys have a plan to build a platform. They're luring people like Canelo to the platform and stuff like that. Hey, in the co-main event, Rafe, I know you care about this. Katie Taylor against Rose Volante. It's a triple belt women's lightweight title unification. Ten rounds. Rafe, come on. You care, right? Ryan, wow, wow, look at me. I have three belts. I normally don't do interview with women unless I fornicate with them. Wow, Rafe also has that. Not true. That, also has that stipulation on this show as well. Uh, although Michaela Mayer was able to slip out of that, which was, uh, wow. <laughs> edit that out in the post edit. Edit it out. All right. It's 2019. Uh, wow. Okay. Katie Taylor. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Eddie Hearn calls her his favorite fighter. Do you think he actually means that? I think it's Carl Frotch, his favorite fighter. Darren Barker, his favorite fighter. Tony the Bomber Bellew is his favorite fight. Yes. I mean, they are, they are, they're vacationing together. All right. Here's where I'll credit the zone. They always give us wild crap on the undercard that we should care about. Like that the hardcores like you and me do. Gabe Rosado versus Maciej Sulecki, 10 rounds middleweights. Hell yeah. Rafe, that'll be war. Your son, okay. he's dying. That'll be real war. Poppy, I gotta stop it. Your son's gonna die. Shout out to what, Billy Briscoe, Benny Briscoe. One of the damn Briscoes. Benny Briscoe is the fighter. Billy Briscoe is the trainer. Great beard, great glasses, great overall look, great real Philly. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's rocking the Philly beard, the Muslim Philly beard. Anyway, uh, Rosado and Suletsky. You know what's scary there, Brian? You know what's really scary? If somehow, and on one hand, it would be exciting. I would be very happy if somehow Rosado wins that fight. If he pulls off an upset, if he has, if he finally wins some fight he's not supposed to win. And then where does that lead though, Brian? What if he has to fight Canelo or something? No, what if he gets a triple G? Because Triple G is supposed to be getting a soft starter in June. No, I think Rosado, good boy. Wow, imagine if they, because Gabe's wanted that rematch forever because Gabe had more success than anyone in the early prime Triple G run. It's wow. All true, but I don't think that should happen again, Brian. No, 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 no. Hey, Luke Campbell's gonna fight TBA, 10 round lightweights. You know I love me some Luke Campbell. Why is he fighting in Philadelphia though against TBA on a DAZN undercard? I don't get that. Because he is signed with Matchroom Boxing and he is owed a date. Uh, wow, very, very Al Heyman Knight of Champion style there. Uh, Hank Lundy versus Avery Sparrow, 10 rounds lightweights. Do you care? No, 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 I don't. All right, let's go Friday night in Mexico City. Telemundo, if you if that is a service you have, Diego Cruz versus Mauricio Pinto, ten rounds welterweights. No, huh? No, 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 no. I don't. Uh, Saturday night, it's time, Rafe. It's time. All right, Saturday night from Jerry World, Arlington, Texas. AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. Not at the practice facility in Frisco. We're talking about the damn dome. Fox pay-per-view. This is big. Errol Spence Jr. defends his IBF welterweight title against Mikey Garcia. Wow, Rafe. This fight matters. Two top five-ish pound-for-pound performers, both unbeaten. Mikey daring to be great up that ass. Oh my God. Gotta give Mikey the ball sack of the year award for taking that fight. Cause they gotta be this big to jump out two way classes. Balls of the year. Mikey Garcia. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're damn right, random guy on the Mayweather Jim boxing uh, interview show. Wow, Rave. I'm fired the heck up. Yes, I was part of the PBC face to face that I hosted. Yes, I was part of the PBC countdown episode. 
even without those checks that I did cash already, I am in on this fight big time, Rafe, because yes, it's daring to be great, but the craft element is going to be great. And sometimes when you get two crafty guys in there in a fight this big, where he has this much at stake, war breaks out, Rafe. I have a feeling, even though a lot of cynics are telling you, uh, Eris Prince by murder. Eris too big, too strong. A lot of people saying that. I have a feeling that this is going to have whatever 29, 2019 can't really give us Leonard Hearns or Hagler Hearns or, or Leonard Hagler or whatever. But I think this is going to be, and tell me if I'm crazy. I think this is going to be as close to us getting that in 2019. We can't get good things like Spence Crawford and find out who's for real. But because of Mikey's bag, I think we're going to see something magical. I think we're going to see two guys who, will not say no, and are going to go for it, Rafe. They're going to put the thing on the table and say, what do you got? Was that part of the face-off, face-to-face episode? Did you, did they put their things on the table yes, in front Patre- of you? Yes, uh, for Patreon subscribers only, they took, they, they, they did, yes, yes. What did you learn from that? Wow. Wow. No. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I wouldn't reveal it. No, save it for the subscription. It's, it's, it's Danny's night. It's Danny's night. Maybe he, uh, he blew his wad early. Wow, wow, wow. Let's get that, get that away from me. Rafe, come on. Get fired up. Come on. Tell me, tell me I'm not just a shill cashing checks. This is a fight, Rafe. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I can't be the one to give you that rude awakening because I'm sitting here, even as someone who is not on the PBC dole in any way. I'm excited for this fight. I want to see this fight. I don't know that it's going to be a war or a classic. I think that if it goes Mikey's way, it better not be. It better be a pretty tactical fight. He better figure out some way to outpoint Errol Spence because I don't think he's going to jump up two, uh, two weight classes and, and knock him out. Uh, but I do, I am curious. My, the, the confidence that Mikey Garcia has had from the very beginning asking for this fight before Errol Spence had even heard about it, when Errol Spence still thought the best opponent in the world was Chris Algieri. Mikey Garcia was asking for this fight. He was sitting there saying, I think I can beat this guy. So, And we we asked Shane Mosley. We've heard other people say it. Mikey must have seen something watching Errol Spence fight. He saw that, okay, I can outbox this guy. There's something that I can do and he's not, and that, that's going to nullify all the things that he can also do to me. And I'm going to win this fight. I want to see, I want to see what it was. I want to see what Mikey saw. I want to see that game plan in action and if he can pull it off. Well, the crazy thing is, is I think Mikey has the skills, the mindset, the IQ, the toughness, the balls, all that to force Errol Spence into a plan B to actually make this a, an amazing fight. But the, but he's going to have to, to get there, he's going to have to show us that he has elite, amazing chin. It's really comes down to the chin. It comes down to the chin, Rafe. Because yes, he's got great defense. He's got timing. He's got to show us that he could get to that point in the fight where he makes Spence have to show us things that we didn't, that Spence has never had to show. Spence said in that face-off, like, I haven't had to show my quickness or my technique because honestly, Spence has just walked dudes down. I mean, the Kell fight showed us a lot, okay? But still, he was the aggressor who walked down and eventually broke Kelbrook's face. And do you know how hard you, as Roy Jones once said, you have to punch to break another man's eye socket? So Mikey is going to have to show us a crap ton. And it can't just be balls. It has to be like physical toughness, a chin to be able to walk through enough to make this that tactical fight. Here's why you have to get really excited about this fight. 
Because what Mikey keeps saying is, nobody has made me bring out my best. Like, I've been waiting for that guy. And I'm taking this challenge because I think this is the guy who can bring out everything that's in me. And it is, it does sort of support Mikey's rise. At 26, at 30, we were like, this guy's great, but why won't he let it all go? Why won't he be a destroyer and walk people down? Well, he started to show you that at 135, like, especially against, um, Zlatichin. He started to show you that he can be that guy. So from that point of view, Mikey's amazing. I mean, I don't mean to get all Dwyer on you, but he's absolutely amazing. Yes, the 147 leap is huge, but he could be that guy to expose Errol Spence enough to make this an even fight. But two competing factors against him are the reason why a lot of people are just like Spence by murder and won't even think about it. One is when he moved up to 40 and he yes, took sir. the title from Sergey Lipinets, he got he got beat up a little bit. Yes, he dropped Lipinets. Yes, he won cleanly. But he hit a certain ceiling. And two, everyone who Spence has touched, he's walked down and broke their spirit, if not their face. So if Lamont Peterson can't get off more than one shot at a time and eventually puts himself in a position where the corner's got to throw in the towel to save him, I know Garcia, I would think Mikey Garcia is better than Lamont Peterson, but how much will his will and his chin allow him to actually make this a fight, Rafe? That's the, the hook. That's the thing that like, He's crazy enough. He's bold enough that we have to see. That's why people are going to pay seventy four ninety five. Do you have the confidence? I'm not asking you if you think Mikey Garcia can win this. I'm asking you, do you have the confidence that Mikey Garcia can make this anything but Spence walking him down and breaking his will and face? So for me, Brian, I think that if Mikey Garcia finds himself in a position where he is relying on his will and his chin and his toughness to win this fight – He's done. He, he's in, it's, it, that means he's going to lose that fight. I think if he wins, it's because he saw and then executed that he is, he can actually outclass Errol Spence, which is hard to imagine right now. But because it's Mikey Garcia, because I think when most people look at both fighters just purely say pound in the quote unquote pound for pound way, as in, you know, who seems to be the more skilled sharper, ring-savvier fighter, you would edge Mikey Garcia just because he seems to have that almost Andre Ward level of of next-level ring genius. But is that enough against a guy who might be ring Mensa, shout-outs to Bobby Chez, but not ring genius, like, you know, Chez versus Einstein, but he's also bigger, stronger, younger, it's his division, all of those things. Um. Yo, it's, I, I can't wait to find out. Uh, you, you saw him up close fairly recently. How's the size disparity look right now? Is, is it, gonna, it what's it gonna large. look like in the ring? I didn't think it was that large in the end. I know Spence is taller. Are you talking about when they put it on the table now? Oh my god. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me just re, you know. Stop that crap. Stop it. Yes. Let's stop it. Yes. Please, 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 Teddy. Tell me, tell me more, Teddy. Please. Oh, it's a Volkswagen against a Ferrari. All right, all right. No, I don't want that much. Um, I think the size is not going to matter. The punching power will. So here's what I think. End up. Here's the thing. I think Mikey's going to taste the power early, meaning I think he's going to get dropped in the first four to five rounds. And but I don't think that will be the end of the fight. I think we're going to Mikey's going to have that moment, sort of like Jacobs had against Golovkin, where you go, okay, it happened. I got caught. I'm not dead. I'm not out of this fight. I'm back in it. And that will be the moment where we find out how great Mikey Garcia is. Not if he wins this fight to me, that moment. 
And it may, and it may not be a knockdown. It may just be a time where he gets lit up. And that normally is the breaking point where when you get touched like that, just like when Mikey touched Robert Easter and dropped him, Easter stopped trying to win. Will Mikey be able to go into those plan B, C, and D and force the same out of Errol Spence? I think he will. I think he is that great, Rafe. Timing, defense, strategy. I think he does see things from even the Kell Brook fight that somebody can expose if they are elite in all these different categories. His chin is going to have to be elite because he's going to get hit early, I think, and that's going to be a turning point. I have a fear, though, like a lot of people might, that Mikey could get hit once and then just hide behind the gloves and try to be a counterpuncher the rest of the night and not actually try to win rounds and then maybe try to survive. That would be a bad scenario playing out. I don't think it could happen, though, because Mikey's balls are too big to even get into this. Just to get this fight, he had to show you big balls. He has been saying, I'm willing to do anything to win this fight. That's there to be great Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearn stuff, Rafe. That's like I'm willing to get knocked out on the grandest stage of them all to prove how good I am because of that spirit inside of him. I think he's going to taste Spence's power early, and I think he's going to keep coming. He's going to clear his head, and then we have the real fight, the middle rounds. What can he do to confuse, frustrate Errol Spence, to make him have to do anything but that plan A of walk you down. Because like I mentioned, Spence got lit up a little bit at times by Kell Brook, but his plan A was still coming forward, walking you down. There were some wrinkles he had to show. He certainly had to show toughness against Brook, but he didn't have to rally. He didn't have to do anything different from his expected plan. If my scenario plays out, Rafe, how, how does Mikey Garcia potentially make Spence have to do something different? What does he have in there? Is it defense? Man. What does he have that's different from everyone else that he's going to be able to make Spence have to not be Spence? Some of Mikey's movement. It's, you know, he, he, Mikey doesn't look like a, like he's super, like he's quick and elusive all the time in the ring, but he, he, his foot, that footwork, the way he, he uses distance, he's very smart with that. And he's not going, even, he's the guy who, even though he doesn't look like he's, he should be hard to hit, he is much harder to hit when, when his opponents are actually in there because the, he, he's just thinking a step ahead of them and he doesn't need to do anything crazy to get out of the way of the punches because they're not even in range. And then when he wants to be in range, he is. Can he do that against a bigger guy like Errol Spence? He's got to take a few more risks, right? He's got to get in, he's got to get it, F and get inside on him. That's, that's, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be scary. I don't think that he's going to be able to, like you said, he, there's no way to get through this fight untouched, even though that, that he, he wants to figure out the closest possible way to achieve it. Um, let me ask you, you know, this his, his punches are, are straighter, right? I mean, he's always, I mean, his, his right hand is a, a real weapon. I think he will be able to land it against Spence. Will it do will it will it make Spence think twice? That's it. We've never seen him think that's twice. That's the question. Does Mikey ha- potentially have the 147 power that's stiff? We know it's going to be accurate. We know it's going to be stiff. Is it hard enough to make Spence have to alter what he's doing, right? If it's not I don't see how Mikey can win this fight because he's not a speedster or a slickster. He's a smart angles footwork guy. But he's not a, it's not like this is Pernell Whitaker out there. So if we find out by the midway point of the fight, when he starts figuring Errol out and landing some clean shots, if you can get by that early hurdle I talked about, if we get to the midway point of the fight and Mikey does not give Errol a pause, if there's no pause, Errol's going to walk him down and break his face. 
Yes, that is that that could that is an outcome that could definitely happen here. And, and you know, we haven't even really brought up Errol Spence as a body puncher yet, which may be a lot of people consider that his greatest attribute. I mean, and the, the way that he really attacks and brutalizes people to the body. And I think he will be smart to continue trying to do that against Garcia, whether it means to slow down his movement, to take just, the you know, take some steam off of Mikey's counters. That That is going to – if we see Errol Spence getting to Mikey's body early and plus however Mikey's going to carry this 147 pounds, we don't know yet. Yeah, that that that's another thing that just makes it seem like such a big hill to climb. If Errol Spence is the fighter he has appeared to be, this seems like biting off more than maybe even Mikey Garcia can shoot. I'm not here to give you the hipster – crazy Garcia by victory prediction. And it's become the, it's become, I'm trendy. And last week I was surprised by how many people. I will tell you Mikey will be in this fight. I will tell you Mikey is going to let it all hang out. I really believe this will not be a wash. This will not be a waste of our time. Mikey will show us a lot in defeat. But there was a turning point in that face-to-face. And some people think these face-to-face, Max Kellerman face-offs, whatever, are worthless. I've always argued that. I was, I love the genre. I always think you can learn things. And I don't know if you picked up on it. When I sort of challenged the two of them, and I was like, okay, who's got the advantage in all these categories? Speed, power, whatever. Errol kept saying, me, 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 because Mikey was sort of being quiet, just letting them have the moment. But Errol said something key at the end of that. He goes, you know what? It, it may not matter in the end because if if my speed can't get me to where I want to go, if my power can't, if my technique can't, if my defense can't, I have the grit. He's basically saying I have the dog inside. I know that I have the dog inside. It's basically him saying I know that I'm an all-time great and I'm special and I'm old school and I'm all the things I need to be. So, Mikey, if you are better than I think you are, if you find a way to confuse me and get back into this fight, and if you're shocking the world and you're winning on rounds, I have the dog in me that's going to walk you down and finish you like Sugar Ray Leonard did to Thomas Hearns in what, round 14 back in 81. Like, Rafe, that's – there's a special thing inside of people. It's the it factor. It's that thing you can't put a price on. The old guys used – the old school guys used to have it because boxing back then was more – it seemed about legacy and pride and not as much of a prize-fighting – glamour thing and money let's get in and let's get out i think spence has it and it's because i think he has that that you add on to all of his other advantages that are already naturally there right garcia moving up in weight garcia having more to prove at this weight class spence has that grit and that dog that if any point he has to or wants to turn this into a real firefight i don't think mikey's going to be able to overcome that and i think that this leads to my prediction rafe if Spence wants to, I think he can stop him late. If Mike, it all comes down to, yes, Mikey's chin to enter the real part of the fight, but Mikey's power to determine if he can go the distance. If Mikey has real power at welterweight, I think he can get to the finish line and lose a respectful decision and a good fight, but Spence is your man. But if Mikey cannot move Spence and a Spence dog on the inside is as loud and real as it seems like, because when you see Spence, Rafe, there's a gangster in there. There's a real man in there. Boxing is a hood sport. There's a hood legend in there, Rafe. And that hood legend can stop Mikey Garcia if he wants to. My prediction, Rafe, is that the size of Mikey's balls against the size of Errol Spence's grid are going to collide and it'll be magical. The Big Bang. The Big Bang Theory. I think Mikey gets there. I think Mikey gets to the finish line. He gets off the deck. He gets to the finish line. He loses a respectable 
16, 12, 17, 11 across the board. But you're going to give Mikey all, everyone's going to win here. I don't know if the pay-per-view number is going to win. Mikey's going to win and defeat. Spence is going to prove that he is that guy. And Spence is going to go on to be the number one guy in the whole sport. Wow. Well, that's a lot to respond to there, Brian. First of all, back to that face-to-face episode right after Errol Spence was talking about that grit, that dog in him. I loved how Mikey responded when he said, I'm X-rated and he's not. <laughs> um, no, I, actually the moment, the moment I thought you were going to talk about was when Mikey, when, when Mikey, I think did respond and he said, I know I'm better. I, he's good at everything. I'm a little bit better at everything. And, and Errol in kind of flipped it on him and, and, and said, yeah, I see you being humble right now, but I also watch all the stuff you've been saying. When I'm not around, when you're not sitting across the table from me, when you're not trying to be polite for our esteemed host, Brian Campbell, I see how you talk when you're talking to Ellie Secback in the gym or whoever is videoing you that day. And you're talking real big. And I remember that. I watch everything. And they just left it at that. And, and we're going to see if, if he can actually uh, make Mikey pay for some of the, the stuff he's been saying in, when he's not in mixed company. Um Look, I don't, who cares about whose hood is tougher? Any of this, this is a sport and it's who is better in the ring and, and who's going to win a fight. I think while I love the idea of talking myself into a Mikey is the better fighter, he will figure out a way to win and expose over 12 rounds a guy who just isn't quite on that level of skill and boxing talent and, and brilliance. I don't think that's the, that's not how I see the fight playing out. It's, I, I get really excited imagining how it could happen and it could happen. It's not off the table, but I just, I can't respect, I, I can't responsibly imagine that's the way, envision the fight playing out that way. I think Errol Spence is nearly as good, if not as good. And he's bigger. He's one of the biggest welterweights out there, period. He's overwhelmed Kel Brook, who was Already one of the biggest welterweights out there. He and he, there, there doesn't really seem to be, uh, even, even, even though Errol Spence gets hit, he's not, ne- we've never seen him hurt. We've never seen him struggle. We, and that's what the other amazing thing, we've never seen Mikey struggle either. See how he responds once Mikey, once he, like you said, if he get, if he, once he gets hurt early, if it happens, wow. Well, I saw when Salito hurt him with his headbutt. Uh, he wasn't even hurt. He, Mikey wasn't even hurt in that. Robert just pulled the plug because he was ahead. You know, you're know, making me want to change my prediction. Here. I do not come at me, you Salito people. I know you nuts are out there being like, Salito was coming on. No. Rafe, you make me want to change my prediction there because I'm trying to put extra stock in Mikey's balls are so big that he can get to that finish line. But that would make me have to believe that Errol isn't everything I really think he is. Rafe, I'm going to interrupt your prediction to alter mine and say I can't responsibly say Garcia is going to go the distance if I believe that Errol is that dog on the inside. He's not going to let him go the distance. He's going to finish him, Rafe, in the 10th round. Book it. TKO 10. I'm sorry. I had to cut my you off to cut myself off to cut me. Cut me, Mick. There it is, TKO10, Errol Spence. You're going to see that in print. You're going to hear me on all the waves, media waves, telling people, what's your prick? What's that's your prick, Ray? fine, Brian. I appreciate you coming and getting this party back on track. And that's exactly where I was headed. I think that the most likely outcome is Errol Spence is good enough to win this fight over a guy who may be a better technician overall. 
he may be a historic technician in the 135 weight division against Vasily Lomachenko someday. Just if Mike, Mikey Garcia loses this fight, I, I won't lose any regard for him as a fighter. In fact, I'll have lots of respect for what he tried to accomplish. And I do think he'll show us some things. He will, he will make Errol Spence look bad in a few moments, which I don't think we've really seen. But no, Errol Spence is going to catch up with him and he's going to work the body and he's going to break him down the way he's done to a lot of good fighters already. And the way that I, th- I think the tell here is the Lipinets fight. If Mikey. Yeah. Had to work that hard against a decent 140 pounder. Then as much as we want to believe in his greatness and as cool as it is to see him believe in it, even more than any of us do. It's just, you can't, you can't make that leap. That, that doesn't compute. If you struggled in that way against a smaller, lesser version, uh, not even a, see, it's a disrespectful to even call Lipinets a version of Errol Spence. It ain't going to happen. He's going to, it's, it's a late stoppage for me. Cherry will be popped. And he's popping cherries, taking away unbeaten records. Exactly. Uh, co-main event, David Benavides coming back from drugs, super middleweight against Jay Leon Love, 10 rounds. I, I don't hate this fight. I mean, it's a setup for Benavides to get back in the title picture to finally face Caleb Plant. Jay Leon Love now the official, uh, Mayweather promotions B-side for anybody that needs to get well, fresh off the Peter Quillen loss. I, I do hope that the, uh, that the broadcast introduces David Benavidez the same way. Like, David Benavidez coming back from drugs in this one. Um, I don't mind it because Benavidez is fun, right? And he's not, he, he's a guy who's going to go out and probably finish Jaleon Love, uh, and make it a fun fight. So it, it, it would be a groaner if it were our guy Anthony Durrell in there and we knew it was going to go a full 10 rounds and we're just going to be like, Oh, kill me now. We were talking about all those PBC guys getting meetings with, uh, DAZN people privately, some getting it with Skipper. Do you think Benavidez was actually meeting with Skipper and that's the reason why he got popped? Oh, how dare you? Uh, what are you talking? What are you, what are you even insinuating? I... Oscar is a freak. Yeah. Hey, Luis Neri against McJoe Arroyo, 10 rounds bantamweights. Do you care on this pay-per-view undercard? Sure. I mean, I want to see what Luis Neri is like when he's off the clembuterol and whatever else he was, uh, mixing in the punch out there when he was beating the crap out of Shinsuke and Yak, Yak, Nakamura. Yaka, yeah, I forgot. Uh, whatever. Shinsuke. Hey, we got to speed up here. Chris Ariola against Jean-Pierre Augustine, 10 rounds heavyweight. Yamanaka, I, I got it. I like him extra sloppy. That's something to watch, maybe. So is uh Sir Prince Charles Martin against Gregory Corbin, 10 rounds heavyweight. Why don't you just match Charles Martin against Chris Ariola and make it like the pay-per-view opener? Wouldn't that solve a lot of things? It might. I... Give me, give me some Kaunatsky in here. Yeah, yeah. Wow, there's like 18 fights on this pay-per-view card. That's going to start at 10 a.m., Dallas time. Uh, yeah, so that's it, Rafe, because I don't think you care about the rest of these until we get to Sunday night. I'm sorry, Saturday in Japan, it's Kosei Tanaka versus Ryochi Taguchi, 12 rounds for Tanaka's WBO flyweight title. Do you care about that one? Well, I do because, uh, as Frank Duke said in Bloodsport, Tanaka is my Shidoshi too. All right. Well, wow, wow. Uh, we are running late and it's my fault, but Sunday, I said Saturday earlier, I was wrong. It's Sunday, St. Patrick's Day, Sunday night, New York City, MSG Theater, ESPN Plus, Michael McConlin, 10 rounds featherweights against Ruben Garcia Hernandez. Whether or not you care, you're going to hear from Conlin now, Rafe. Get ready. Back up the truck. It's time. Enjoy. Live from London, one of the hottest rising stars in boxing and in the top-ranked stable, 
Michael McConlin, the featherweight, unbeaten. Bro, great to ch- get a chance to talk to you again. How's everything? All good, bro. I'm all good. Just just after a good uh, flying session. So feeling good, mate. Feeling good. Getting fired up for your return. St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. You can see that in the, on ESPN+. Plus. When Michael Conlon comes back to face Ruben Garcia Hernandez. Hey, Mick, we got a, a trend going here. Three years in a row, you at the theater at Madison Square Garden, headlining shows on St. Patrick's Day. This is becoming a, a business, a, a must-see event. A tradition, a tradition, a tradition just like St. Patrick's Day is a tradition. The Mick Conlon fight St. Patrick's Day weekend is always going to be a tradition now. And, and you know, uh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm very grateful for the, the opportunity to be able to compete in such a famous arena, the mecca of boxing, every uh, national holiday of my of my home country. So, you know, it's it's, it's fantastic, and I, I'm very honored. i got to ask you about the electricity, about the feeling, because here's the deal. Us boxing fans and journalists in the States, we watch what's going on across the pond whether it be England, Ireland, wherever. When there's a big fight, you can feel the, you can get the feels through the TV screen. There's something going on over there that we don't get to have in the States. We don't get to have that juice. But when you fill that garden theater, I feel like you're getting a taste of that. What is that like when you come out and all the Irish fans are there in New York going nuts on St. Patrick's Day? What's that feeling like? It's it's something which is very, very hard to describe. Uh, And I've done it now two years running and each time I've done it it's it's been the exact same the hair stand up my neck my back everywhere around my body and it's, it's like it's walking into a cauldron of, of support and love for me so I, I'm just filled with excitement and absolute gratefulness when I, when I, when I see it it's it's unbelievable and, and I, I do know what you're talking about when Compared to the the, the U.S. fights, compared to the Irish slash UK fights, the atmosphere and the support of the, of the general public who come out and support them is completely different. And I think I I do bring that element of support and and excitement to to the, the U.S. shores. So it's the Irishness in me and the Irishness in my support. So I'm very grateful for for all my Irish following who do follow me everywhere around the world. You made a big splash in your in doing the uh, the St. Patrick's Day thing two years ago for your pro debut. You had your good buddy Conor McGregor, the fellow yeah. Irish star UFC champion, walk you out. But he almost kind of stole your thunder getting in the media's face, hyping up what became that crossover fight with Floyd Mayweather. I always wondered, because I haven't talked to you since then, was there any part of you that was like, hey, yeah. Conor, I get what you're doing here, but this is my night, brother. Nah, you know what? There's there's none of that because obviously uh, that means I had a, that means I had a, a big part in making you know the the richest fate in in, in history <laughs> because it was it was my my my, my debut which he he kind of put out the statement that he he beats like Mayweather and he is boxing and stuff so um no you know what I think it added to the whole event and, and you know it, it made last in people's memories an awful lot more. Obviously, the people in, in in USC and other sports and stuff they they remember a lot of us for for the Connor thing. But for me and and for anybody who knows me, will always remember for for being my debut and having Connor Connor along, helping support it. And, and he did. He brought an extra bit of you know atmosphere to the whole event. 
No question about it. Now you're 10 fights into your pro career, 10 and 0, six knockouts, couple years in. How has that adjustment been for you from the amateur to the pros? What have you learned? How comfortable are you now at this point, 10 fights in? Yeah, I feel I've learned an awful lot. I feel, in fairness, my, my, my boats have, have been very good learning, but I've, I've learned from each one of them something different every time. Uh, and, you know, it's making me a, a more complete fighter. I feel I'm on the right upward trajectory. Uh, trajectory sorry. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great. Uh, I, I feel I've, I've learned from a lot. I've settled into the pro game very well. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going for the big performance on March 17th. Have you adopted a nickname yet on the pro level? I was trying to look it up. I didn't see anything. What, what, does that matter? What do we call you? You're Michael Conley. You're Mick Conlon. Is there anything else? The the Irish assassin? What do we got here? You know what? I, I always say I'm never going to name myself. If someone comes up with a nickname and I like it and it sticks, it sticks. But I'm not the type of guy who's going to share their nicknames and call myself this and call myself that. If people want to just call me Mick. They can call me Mick. If they want to call me Michael, they can call me Michael. But... If, if someone comes along with a good nickname, like the Irish Assassin or something, uh, and it starts to stick with people, you know, I, I don't mind. But for me, it, it, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, the, 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 the kind of nickname and slogan I like best is the Conlon Revolution. And I think that's stick well. I'm, I'm definitely down with that. Now, when you turn pro and another top-ranked prospect, Shakur Stevenson, turned pro, you know, everybody asked the both of you, feel like there's a slow play yeah. here for one day, a big showdown. And, you know, you guys had the right comments. Yeah, we'll see each other down the road. How much are you watching what Shakur is doing, rising at sort of the same pace and level as you, with that idea in mind that one day you may face each other? Do you do you compare notes? Do you check out his fights and go, okay, I'm a little bit ahead of him at this point? What's that relationship like? Um, yeah, listen, I watch everybody. I watch Shakur. I watch Open Champions, uh, and you know, I know one day we will face each other. So, you know, I am taking the notes and 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 seeing little things I, I I can, you know, I can expose when we do face each other. But you know, he he's on a great a, a great rate at the moment. He's putting in great performances, and he's doing very very well. So, you know, I've been impressed with him, and and I'm really looking forward to the time when we do face each other. Excellent, indeed. Now you're from Belfast. That when I think of Belfast in boxing, I think of the great Belfast boy Carl Frampton. You're on a pace to to, to build your name yeah. to that level. What's your relationship been like with him in your growth as a fighter? Is there a relationship? Is there a friendship? Mentorship? Anything? Yeah, there's there's, there's friendship, and, and we work the same management team. Um, we're we're both from different parts of Belfast, you know, opposite sides. But you know, I feel if, if we were ever to face each other, it wouldn't be good for our city because it would it would probably cause an awful lot of conflict but you know I'm, I'm very friendly with Carly very friendly with me very supportive of, supportive of my career as, career as I am with his so you know I, I can't see it happening um, so I, I don't I don't think it will happen we're, we're, we're very good friends we of course remember and loved you from the Olympics the 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 personality that you showed dealing with a tough defeat rough judging you you put the middle fingers up there you showed your your heart and who you are and it was marketable it was fun <laughs> then we saw Bob Arum when yeah. he signed you putting out middle fingers Bob Arum's a wild dude for what is he 87 I had him on this show <laughs> last year and he's talking about you know the secret to staying old is smoking weed and I'm like whoa Bob you're wild yeah. you ever get to hang out with this guy you can throw down a few pints what's it like hanging out with the yeah. Bob father Bob is Bob's one of the coolest characters in boxing, probably the coolest. You know, he's always 
he did not give a fiddlers about anything. You know, he, he, he will say whatever is on his mind. And I think that's why we kind of clicked because he knows that if if there's a wrongdoing and, and I don't agree with it, I'll speak my mind. And, and I think he liked that about me. And, you know, uh, we clicked right away. It was, uh, I have a great, a great uh, relationship with Bob as, as my promoter and, you know, as as the, the head of Top Rank Boston. He's, he's fantastic. I, I love everything he does. I love everything he does. I remember my second bout that we were boxing in Chicago and you know the main the main paper is there doing an interview with me and Bob together and Bob just comes into the blue and starts saying he hates Chicago and shit and I'm like what are you saying this for Bob you can't be saying that you know I'm boxing here tomorrow evening and he said no I don't like it they don't they don't they don't appreciate boxing and all this so it was very funny but you know it's just like the guy he, he's 87 years of age and he doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks and what anybody cares of he what he says. He he only cares about whatever he he says himself. I know it's it's been a, a, a great turnaround. I think ten fifteen years ago, a lot of fans were like, "We respect Bob, but you know he's a promoter. He lies. He's a salesman." Now I think people are like, "Man, I want to hang out yeah. with this guy." It's, it's been look, it's been great PR work just by <laughs> being himself. But uh, how have you done with dealing with celebrity? Because, you know, you were well-known in the Olympics. You're making a, a, a quick rise as a pro. We're really excited to see you. What's it like when you're in London or you're in uh, Northern Ireland and uh, people recognize you right away, I would assume? How, how, how tough is that to deal with? It's, it's, been, it's, it's not too bad, you know, because I, I kind of had a slow burner into the kind of celebrity of late state of it, so to say, you know, as being uh, so successful in the amateurs in Ireland. I, I was on, you know, TV a lot and doing an awful lot of things since 2012. So it's been building slowly and slowly. It is a lot. It is a lot more now, but no, it's it's not too bad. Sometimes if you try to have an idiot or something, it can be tough because people are are pulling you left, right, and center for photos. But no, it's it's part. It comes with the territory and it's part of the, part of the job. And and even as a professional, you know, after my 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 fight in New York, you know, there's after parties and stuff and. I just got to go and show my face. There's no point in me going and uh, and getting wild or anything because you know um, it, you can't really because you're just getting pictures the whole time and uh, and greeting people and meeting people and you know uh, just being socializing with, with with all the fans and I'm experienced with family and stuff. So it's it's tough, but it's it's no problem. It's, it comes with the territory and as they say, and I'm used to it kind of already. So you know it's just. It's just how to maintain it and how to control it for yourself. Indeed, yeah, no question. Now, uh, big boxing household you came from, considering older brother Jamie, the Mexican super flyweight fighter. Uh, yeah. w- when was the point that these two brothers in the same house said to each other, we're going to become pro fighters? When did that happen? When did that click? Were you guys, were, was there a lot of infighting growing up between you? Um, you know, my older brother Jamie and then I have a, a, a brother in between me and Jamie called Brendan. And they started boxing around 11, 12, and I was probably around 7. And I just said, I wanted to do what they were doing. I wanted to be like my older brothers. And I followed them to the gym. I ended up starting boxing at 7 years of age. And I always looked up to Jamie. He was always the oldest. Uh, uh, he's the oldest in the house, and he was always the one who was doing really well in the boxing. And if Jamie had to quit at some stage, I probably would have quit because I just wanted to be like him. But he kept going and, and was doing really well. And, I think it came to around, it was 2009. Uh, I, I was always kind of good from underage and I was winning an awful lot, but 
we we were due to face each other in like uh, provincial finals, and he says, "Listen, you can take the title, and uh, I'll go professional." And he went professional in, and I'm going on and succeeding, so doing all the Olympics and uh, and the World Championships and stuff, and, and doing so well. So I just said, well, I I knew that was once I started to do so well internationally as 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 an amateur, I knew that was the time that. I had the ability I could make this my living, and I I, I knew from young age I was going to do I was going to do it as a job. But when when I was succeeding so well in international boxing in the amateurs, I knew that you know, this is this is definitely where I was going to take professional boxing. I'm good at it. I could make some money doing it, so let's do it. That's a, that's a cool story. I like that. Now, do you compare? Here's here's what I bring this up. I, I was talking to Mikey Garcia. Of course, he's going to fight er, um, Errol Spence in a big pay per view fight coming up. And Mikey's so calm and cool and not worried when talking about boxing. Like everybody's like, "Hey, Spence is bigger than you. He's going to blow you out." Mikey's like, "Yeah, it's fine. I, I believe in myself." And I think a lot of that is he was the the younger brother in this boxing world that he grew up in, where it's just natural. Yeah, you being the younger brother of, of two boxers, did it did it come more natural where there was less fear growing up? Like, yeah. I can do this. I've watched my brothers do it. It's not an issue. I think so. And, you know, I think it shows in, in how both of us compete. You know, Jamie, he, he's, his nickname is the Mexican because he just likes to get in and go to war. Whereas when I was a younger brother where my father, father kind of honed in more of the skills and, and the boxing ability kind of instead of just using using the hard balls and the toughness that just go to war. But, I was always, I, I did, I always had that more relaxedness, the, the better kind of skill set because I was kind of taught it from a younger age and it was a lot more natural and comfortable to me. So I think that was the difference, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. Excellent. Now, look, March 17th, we'll see you. Ruben Garcia Hernandez is the opponent, 24-3, and three, two draws, veteran. What are you, kind of fight are you expecting here? Um, listen, it's going to be... Uh, Gonna, it's going to be a, a tricky enough fight. He he he's, he's he's a smart a smart tough Mexican. He knows how to survive. He knows how to navigate himself through the distance. Um, but at the same time, like, he competes and and he he has a good a good engine where he'll he's able to go for the full ten rounds at a good pace. You know, he, he I think he has ten knockouts, so you know, he carries a little bit of power. Um, I'm expecting him to come out, and and if you give him confidence, he'll he'll start to grow in the fight and, and do well. But I'll go out that matches confidence right away. And you know, if I, if the opportunity arises where I can take him out, I'll be able to take him out. But at the same time, I'll be prepared to go distance and uh, and use complete boxing skills to dominate him. Now, I'm, I'm interested how quickly you think it's going to be before you enter the title picture. Now, top rank, you got to give the credit. Historically, the matchmakers, they know what they're doing. They, 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 they're the timeline works. They get guys, the type of opponents they need. When it's ready, it's ready. But you're also seeing guys like Lomachenko these days, Usyk, a lot of these European fighters coming in. They're saying they're, they're bucking the trend. They're saying, I want to fight for titles earlier. I don't care. I'm ready. How ready do you feel? How far away are you for that big leap? I feel good, you know. I feel, you know, I'm I'm looking St. Patrick's Day next year. I think that would be fantastic. I think, you know, for me, that's that's when I would love it to happen in the garden, in the big room, St. Patrick's Day next year. That, that's that's when I would love to take the battalion. That's a heck of a goal to look forward to. Can't wait. Can't wait. March 17th, the theater, MSG, ESPN Plus. Michael Conlin is back. 
Irish fans galore will be going nuts. We look forward to seeing it. Mick, great chatting with you, brother. Best of luck on your rise. Things are going great. Keep it up, man. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. And take care, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Special thanks to Mick Conlon. I like this kid. I like this kid a lot, Rafe. I like him talking about hanging out with the wild man, Uncle Bob, uh, Grandpa there, Bob Arum. I'm not saying he sparked up with him. I'm saying it's wild times hanging out with Grandpa. But uh, Hello, Grandpa. are you in yet on Conlin in terms of like, okay, I got to watch no matter what? Or I mean, will you be there with the backpipe? No, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not in on that level. And unfortunately, I won't be there uh, to witness this in person. I don't I, no, I don't feel like I need to watch Conlin no matter who he's fighting. I am curious to see where he goes and 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 if he is. Legit, you know, he's one of these prospects that has looked great, decent, but not always that impressive, I think. And I want to see when he starts to step up where, where he can go. All right. The co-main event is interesting, Rafe. It's a welterweight bout. 37-year-old Luis Colazzo against Samuel Vargas. This is a, this is the two-scoop Samuel Vargas, right? This is a, is this a rematch or is this that, or is this the Samuel Vargas who Oh, no, it's not even the, uh, Vargas. It's the other Va- Samuel Vargas. All right. So I just, I just got, I just, uh, played myself there. So 37 year old Luis Colazzo gave Sammy two scoops or the, the, the Mexican two can, whatever his name was, Vasquez's hey, first defeat. The, the, the can do. Yes. Yes. By KO. This is Samuel Vargas, the guy who, uh, Danny Garcia sent to hell. All right. I'm less enthused. You, you don't care, right? I, I'm, I'm the same level of enthused. Good for Louis Colazzo is still fighting. All right. That's the show for this week. Special thanks to Paulie Malinaji and Michael McConlin for stopping by. Special thanks to Rafe Bugs for getting up when it was still dark and the curtains behind him. I saw that, Rafe. I saw you getting up at the ass crack of dawn because you need to give the people what they are waiting for. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face. Oh, that's gross. That's gross. It blew up on me. I got spanked. Let me wipe the egg from my face. Wow. Wow. Sometimes, Rafe, you tease that bag, you play with it, you get the mess. Follow him at Rafe Bugs. Buy all of his books. And hey, guys, enjoy Spence Garcia on Fox Pay-Per-View. This should be something wild. Rafe, please take us out of here. Messages for the people. Sell something. What do you got? How about this? We out. We out.